been paid for by the New World Order. You are now listening to Lucha Outsider Show, available on iTunes, SoundCloud, and anywhere you listen to podcasts. At Lucha Outsiders, everywhere. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, SoundCloud, and iTunes. Lucha Outsider Show. Congratulations. You played yourself. Outside of show, I'm Leo, and it's a me, Mario. No, I am the heel that seals the field, the villain that stays chilling, the anti-hero of the IWC. Your boy, Mister Rated R, and our third man on the broadcast team. He is the analysis of the LOC. He is a straight shooter on Twitter, and when it comes to wrestling, he has a radar from the mean streets of LI. We're live, pal. What's good, guys? Hey, Ryan. What's up, brother? Not much. Not much. Man. Not what, much. What it was week, just huh? an earthquake. What do you mean, not much? <laughs> well, we'll get to the earthquake, oh, sorry, but sorry. I don't know about an earthquake, but Ryan's about to drop a major bombshell. Oh. Bombshell, yeah. I don't I don't have the bomb drop. You guys should have told me. I have, okay. Yeah, because I'm we're not in I'm not in studio right now. And, and Leo looks like he's had a rough morning. Oh, I've had a I had a rough. <laughs> he's had weekend. a morning, quite a morning. It's only 11 a.m., but he's had quite the morning already. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but we're here. We're here to do what we got to do. There's a couple of haters out there. We want to say what's up. There's a couple of uh, people that are helping us out too. Um, just let the people know that we're here. You should share the video. All Get right. Dali. All right, Ryan. Can I get a drum roll, please, Leo? You're going to have to do it. You're going to have to. That's what you're going to get. <laughs> All right. Exactly. I sound like I know it. Go ahead, sir. All right. Ryan, will you be going to WrestleMania in Tampa? Oh, hell yeah, baby. I'm going oh, to WrestleMania. hell yeah. Let's go. The well, ticket buying process ended up being a success. Hit it on the pre-sale. There you go. There it is. Tampa for WrestleMania. Both nights. Uh, dead center seats. I am not going to tell you how much I paid for them. I am a little not sick. Ask either. Okay, okay, wait. All right, hold on. Pause real quick. Pause real quick. So, hypothetically, right? Let's say I was in studio with Leo. Uh-huh. If you would have said the price, would you have gang? How, would you get the congratulations, but Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, I would deserve it. I would deserve it. But, oh, you know, at God. the same time, it's kind of tough to really... Like, it's hard because we're talking about two nights, you know? Right. We're not right. talking about one. If it was one, I highly doubt, you know, I would get a congratulations because, obviously, if you go to WrestleMania, you know the prices are astronomical as it is. 
but we're talking about two nights here. So like that helps me like feel a little bit better. It's like, well, I paid technically for like two nights of WrestleMania instead of one. So like whatever helps you sleep at night, bro. Well, all right. Okay. So without getting the price, without getting, without getting the price, I'm trying to kind of get like, kind of like an idea without, without Ryan, like saying like, I spent this much. So I'm going to, I'm going to just, uh, I guess ask it like this. Is it over or under 500 bucks? Over. That's it. What? That's it. That's it. Well, that's that. Well, that's that. There that's you go. That. So, so now, now you can determine if I deserve a congratulations based on that. Congratulations, you played yourself. Oh man! Well, listen. At the end of the day, at the end of the day, Ryan, you're you're going to WrestleMania. You're gonna have listen, fun. Listen, your boy just hit. I just got a stimulus check, okay? So thank you, oh, to the government. Thank you, thank Biden. you to Mr. Joe Biden. You know, so thank you, you know what? Biden. If you, if I if to make yes. myself feel better, I say yes. the government thanks yes. me to go to wrestling. Yes, there you go. Okay. Yes. Yes. That's a, that's a good yes. Cleanup. That's a good cleanup. I support. It. I support the cleanup. All right, give me a minute, guys. Give me a minute. Hashtag is Rebel Time, and I definitely needed it after the morning. Both Ryan and I have, because I'm sure Ryan stayed up too. But um, yep. before we get to New Japan, it's crazy, man. Like, I hate doing this. I feel like it's an ongoing gimmick now with the, every time we start the show. Well, we got to unfortunately start with some bad news again, bro. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's, you know, that's that's how it goes. So um, Barry Oren, he's the uncle of Randy Oren. He's the brother of... Bob Warren Jr. He passed away at the age of sixty-two. I'm, be, I'm, I'm gonna be honest with you guys. I'm very, un, I'm unfamiliar with mm -hmm. uh, Barry O. But mm -hmm. um, still, like you know, just from the 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 reactions from the wrestling world, um, he seemed like a nice guy. And sixty-two, that's young, man. That's really, it really is. young. So uh, you know, rest in peace to to Barry O. Barry uh, Barry Warren. Yeah, yeah, like just like you, I really don't have too many thoughts because, like I said, I'm not really all that familiar. But before we went online on the air today, um, I did see that on my Twitter. So yeah, that's that's sad, and and 62 is terrible. Um, you know, that's way too young. I'm not really sure what issues he had or mm -hmm. anything like that, but um, you know, really sad nonetheless. And uh, you know, heartfelt condolences and prayers go out to the family, of course. Well, I mean, for a wrestler, 62 is ancient, you know, because we know a lot of these guys are, are, are passing away young. But it's still you, you, you never want them to pass away as it is. Um, right. And because we always got to remember, you know, we, we remember the, the wrestler or the figure on TV, but they have a family. They have uh, kids or, you know, or grandkids um, that are suffering just as much. So that's why when we give our condolences, we're actually giving it to the people that are going through this out of respect because that's at the end of the day why we're here. We're respecting what wrestling as a trade is. Um, so when you're there talking shit because AEW is doing this or WWE is doing that, just remember, those are actual people. Just saying. They're Fair actual much. human beings. There you go. Yeah. Speaking of respect, let's talk about New Japan. I feel like some of our best shows sometimes is when we start off hot when it comes to New Japan talk. And yeah. a lot of shit has happened in New Japan in the last like 48 hours. Uh, we got the semifinals and the finals of the New Japan Cup. But before we get to that, I want to talk about the six man, which is this is probably the only match that we're going to talk about that had nothing to do with the New Japan Cup. Right. So the announcers, Kevin Kelly, Chris Charleston and Gino, they were kind of building this as like an all star New Japan uh, six man because you had yeah. 
You're all the Abushi, top guys. Yeah. The dual champion, Okada and um, Tanahashi on one side versus Jay White, Takahashi, and was it Chase Owens, the third guy? Uh, Kenta. Oh, it was Kenta. There you go. It was Kenta. What was Kenta? Uh, yeah, the semifinals was Kenta. This morning was Chase Owens. That's Fale, right. That's and, right. And Jay. That's right. That's right. So we get the six man, and um, the introductions is what like piqued my interest before we saw whatever whatever mm-hmm. else transpired during the match. Yeah. So we get the entrances right. One thing I gotta say about Okada, I love Okada, but he needs to go back to his old like trench coat gimmick that was like. Like, I, I don't know. I'm not really into, like, this, like, fluorescent light type, like... So, yeah, like, so the you glow like, in the dark. I'm not into it. Like, he needs to go back to, like, the old school uh, trench coat they used to rock with the, with the, with the gold gimmick. And, the, yeah. you know, it looked... I don't know. It's just my preference. Anyway, so we get these entrances. And normally, when it comes to, like, face teams, sometimes you'll get, like, uh, like, especially, like, when it comes to multi-man matches, you get, like, them posing, right? Mm-hmm. So... You have Abushi with both championships right now. Keep in mind, Abushi. I don't care if, to all you Abushi fans. He's not really getting much reactions in these shows. All right, I hate to say no. it, but he's not getting much reactions. I don't know if it's because yeah. he has the um, the character of uh, wet paint. You know, the charisma wet paint. I don't know if it's because of that, or maybe the fans are just not happy with the unification. But he's barely getting any reactions. Right. So you have Abushi, and then you have the never open weight champion uh, Tanahashi posing and okada's just chilling in the corner no interest at all no no selling it he has his face like i am not fucking with you abushi like i'm i want nothing to do with you and it's like as a fan especially uh the people that also feel the same way like why are they you know unifying these titles it's like yo fuck koto abushi that's kind of like the attitude we have on ryan what did you think of this whole like entrance thing yeah, well, I hate that attitude of like, oh, let's, you know, fuck Kota Ibushi. And, I, you know, I guess it's, 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 um, I don't, I understand it because of what he's doing with the titles. But, man, I just, I love Ibushi so much. Like, he's been one of my favorites for years. And I hate to see how this is going. You know, I'm, you know, of course, it's like, it's professional wrestling. So it's all scripted. Right. So it's, it's like, it's not, it wasn't his idea right, to like right, right, right. merge the titles, but like, obviously of course everybody's like, you know, and I'm sure it's a lot of joking around, messing around, but oh, I'm absolutely. sure there's people out there that do actually feel, you know, like a lot of hatred towards Kota Ibushi for doing this, basically throwing away all the history of new Japan and lineage and everything that, that came before him. Um, but yeah, you know, it, it, right now he's just, and, and I guess they should have like, realize this like if he was going to be the guy that was doing this it wasn't going to be a popular decision and at least if you're going to do this have like a red hot heel like jay white, white do it like jay a white. jay white or like a will osprey right so like that you know that in itself doesn't really make much sense so i mean they, they shouldn't be surprised at the reactions or at the you know what you know no reactions i should say that abushi is getting uh the okada thing is very interesting though and obviously this is going to come into play Somewhere down the line, you know, uh, they have a, a Tokyo Dome show coming up. They have another stadium show. Yep. So I th- I feel like we're going to see Okada versus Ibushi at one of those shows. Um, and it'll probably be Okada trying to, you know, go after the belts and, well, after the belt because there's only gonna be one belt. <laughs> and, um, yeah, we'll see what happens. You know, Jay White throughout the New Japan Cup was kept saying if he wins – uh, and faces Ibushi, he wants to split the titles apart. And I thought that was very intriguing because I think I mentioned it on the show at, at one point 
the one thing about New Japan is like when they do something like that or they have a wrestler mention something like this over and over and over again, usually it's for a specific reason. Like it's going to happen. Yeah, like it's foreshadowing something that's going to happen. Like Tetsuya Naito, he wanted, uh, you know, the to win the double gold. And then the next year at Wrestle Kingdom, they did this double gold dash thing for both titles. Usually, like I said, when they say something, it's kind of a foreshadowing. So I thought for sure, I was like, okay, Jay's, something's going to happen here. Or if it's not going to be Jay, it's going to be somebody else who's going to win and pull those belts apart. So I'm kind of like, is New Japan trolling us? Is there actually a new belt coming? Or like, or is this just part of a storyline? Um, obviously, it wasn't Jay White, uh, Victoria, so it's not going to be him. But maybe uh, Okada will be our savior. Who knows? Because uh, Okada, Tanahashi, those guys specifically have a right to be upset at Ibushi for doing uh, what he is doing with the titles. Well the, well, the one thing about New Japan is like there's always long-term storytelling. That's key when it comes to New Japan. So yeah. while it was kind of a head scratcher on how Jay White got eliminated, and we'll get to that in a bit, but like. The story of Jay White's not going to end. It's going to take us. It's going to take us to chapter. So right now, the right. chapter that we're on is Jay White keeps fucking with Tanahashi. So yeah. I would not be surprised if now Jay White, like, okay, Jay White failed at the new J-Pan mm-hmm. Cup. Now, Jay White's goal, first goal, at least now, is that he wants to be the first, Um, I forget what uh Kevin Kelly called him, quadril champion, where he wins the never open way championship. So he'll be the first man to ever hold the IWGP Heavyweight Champion, the Intercontinental Championship, or the United States Championship, and now mm-hmm. the Never Openweight Championship. So, I mean, I think that's the story that we're going to get between Jay White and Tanahashi at uh, the next big show, which is, uh, what is it, Sukaro? What is it, Genesis? Genesis, yeah. Yeah, Genesis, right? So that's the that's the new, uh, I guess, goal for Jay White. Mm-hmm. And, but um, just based on what we got in this New Japan Cup. Now, don't get me wrong, I think... Based on what we got in the final, everything played out how it's supposed to be. But I expect Jay White to be a major player in the G1 Climax. Like, they, they, it's just no other way. Yeah. Yeah. No, I know. And, but that's the thing about New Japan. It's kind of like, like you said, they, things take twists and turns. And, and every wrestler's journey is different. And what, just when you think he's this guy's going to win this tournament or this guy's going to win this big match, and then he doesn't. But it's just like it's setting up for something bigger where it's like he will actually earn it by going through like a G1, you know, and actually winning the G1. And then, then he'll ultimately win the belt because I think a lot of people thought Jay was going to win this past year at Wrestle Kingdom. I wanted to so bad, bro. (laughs) Yeah. But he, you know, he didn't win the G1. So it's kind of like, you know, Ibushi won it for the second year in a row. So I kind of figured Ibushi was going to come out on top because that's just kind of, you know, just thinking logically here. But if Jay, I expect Jay to be a front runner to win G1 Climax this summer or this fall, whenever they do it. Um, you know, he, if he does win that, he has a good chance to dethrone whoever's champion at next year's Wrestle Kingdom. Like I said, the the story just keeps right. on going. You know, it just keeps on like no guy is ever like dead because of a loss. You know, like like in WWE, if a guy loses a big title match or you know loses consistently on Raw, like it's they're like, buried, right? But like that's like Rhea, right, yeah, Rhea right. Ripley, in New Japan. That's not the case. No, unless you're someone like Evil. But anyways, <laughs> oh well, good. He deserves it in that case. I no, am but, sick. Oh. but look at the story of Bushi. And 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 by the way, when I say fuck Kota Bushi, I don't really mean fuck Kota Bushi. No, like, I, I know I you don't. A, yeah, I think he's an amazing wrestler. He's a talented wrestler, yeah. and he deserves to finally hold the big gold. You know, the both championships, right? I'm not saying that I hate Kota Bushi, but 
it, it, it's funny the Kota Bushi story because but I if said I was but if I was to say that I hate Kota Bushi, no, go ahead. So. <laughs> <laughs> but the the Kota Bushi New Japan story is so interesting because Kota Bushi for years was kind of the Charlie Brown of New Japan, yep. where oh, he yeah. always came this close but never could just get his moment. He always got screwed or somehow, right? He yeah. finally gets his moment. He's finally dual champion. He's finally the face of the company. Yet now you have a portion of the audience that kind of don't fuck with this guy anymore. And then yeah. you have the other portion of the audience that kind of are like indecisive how to feel about the guy. So they don't even react for the guy. Like Jay White, which is a heel, he's getting better reactions than Kota Ibushi. Yeah, yeah, no, I know. And and like you said, how could you blame anybody for feeling that way because that's how new japan's kind of portraying this it's like it's like mm -hmm. what do you want us to do like nobody's going to be a fan of the titles merging and this is a guy who came out and said he wanted to merge his titles and this is a guy who is doing that and it's like you know new new japan is based on history you know a lot of yeah. the fans are historians and they 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 love the company because of its history and, and everything and you're kind of just basically throwing that down the drain and it's just kind of like, why, you know, like, like that's what makes New Japan special. Now and he's the, at the forefront of it, so of course everybody's gonna take it out on him. What well, What do you <laughs> What do you guys don't think? Maybe it's part of a storyline. Maybe what they're doing is okay. If If you're gonna join the belts, you would have done it already, right? But if you're still coming back to, hey, if I'm the champion, I'm gonna split them up again. Then to me, it's all part of a storyline. Again, yeah, yeah but that's they what keep I said before, yeah. Yeah, but they keep emphasizing that there's going to be a new championship, a new championship belt. So in a perfect world, right, and this is just all hypothetical. I'm yeah. not predicting this. I'm not saying that this is going to happen. But, like, in a perfect world, fucking Kota Bushi, you know, he rocks with the with the new championship, the new IWGP World Heavyweight Championship, even though everybody already considered the heavyweight title as a world title, which is mind-boggling. I never thought twice about how right. one wasn't a world heavyweight title. Exactly, right? So then in a perfect world, let's say someone like Jay White dethrones Kota Ibushi at Wrestle Kingdom 16, right? Yep. He separates the titles, and now we just have a the Intercontinental Championship is his own entity, and then the IWGP Heavyweight Championship will just be called the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship, mm -hmm. which people, some people, a lot, listen, I, I mentioned this on a previous episode. Everyone outside of New Japan, right, and even some of the wrestlers, right, like WWE, Impact, AEW, they called the IWGP Heavyweight Championship a world title because that's what it is. Yeah. Just because yeah, it doesn't right. have world title like on the on the graphic or on the design, on the actual belt design, people still call it a world title. A heavyweight title to me is a world title. Like I, mm -hmm. I just I never really thought to myself, like, wow, there's a specific difference between the two. Like, I don't know. Like any heavyweight title, I just assume it's a world title. Like, I call it, like, the WWE world title, right? Like, yeah, me too. Like, you know, it, it, at one point, it was the WWE World Heavyweight Championship when they merged those two belts together, right? And then they had the WWE Championship and the World Heavyweight Championship. So, what, the WWE Championship wasn't a world title? Like, like it's it's kind of like, I guess it's how you interpret it. But, like, to me, I'm just like, I never really thought twice. Yeah, me either. Me either. But, but you um, know, yeah. Let's, so, we have this six-man, and then... What do you want to say, uh, Ryan? Well, like eight minutes within the match, 10 minutes within the match, maybe even less than that. Yeah. Uh, the camera pans out and you see the roof of the arena. Now, keep mm -hmm. in mind, this arena is kind of like a basketball arena. So like the roof of the arena is like shaking. I'm like, holy shit. It's fucking it's an earthquake. So 
as quickly as possible, all the talent go outside of the ring and they're kind of keeping the audience, right? Like to calm down or whatever. And, you know, props to the, the Japan audience. Cause if this would have happened in the States, everybody would have lost their fucking minds. Right. Stampede. So all the talent keeps, um, keeps like all the, like the audience, like calm or whatever, tell them to calm down, but leave it to Jay white, not breaking character. Cause he, even during an earthquake, he's running his mouth and talking shit. And, and he was the one in the ring when the, when the whole thing was transpiring too. That's the funny part. It's like, um, yeah, just, uh, extremely scary situation uh mario you said you were watching live which had to be unreal to, to yeah. be watching in real time i i had woken up on saturday morning to, to see it all over my timeline and then i quickly went back to new japan world to to try and see if i could uh to watch it i, I kind of assumed that they were going to edit it out as quick as possible on there um on like the on-demand um uh, show but right. they didn't and i actually watched it back several times and it's just it, it's crazy um surreal to see and you know it, it i mean obviously if you're watching it with, with like japanese commentary i guess you kind of assume that like that it's an earthquake you know the camera's just not shaking for no reason but you know i, I watched it in japanese commentary too and like i don't know it, it's just like it's not as noticeable as it was on the english commentary and that's thanks to chris charlton who right away was like oh we just had an earthquake and i'm here in tokyo mm-hmm. uh, you know he was at tokyo offices and he's like oh i just felt it here so it's like uh just a very very bizarre and scary situation but props to kevin kelly gino gambino and chris charlton for the job that they did throughout that whole entire 20 minute break yeah. um just kind of filling time the best way they could and Dude, Gino cracks me the hell up, man. He's like, hilarious. He's such his a stories, funny dude. His stories, like when he took the time to tell that story about how he was in the bathroom, like like when he was supposed <laughs> to be in a match or something yeah. like that. Or, oh, dude, he was like, dude, he was, he's hilarious, bro. Like, it's so funny. Um, and then, yeah, like you said, the wrestlers, Ibushi right away, like calming everybody down. That was the only time it. he got a reaction. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. right. Um you know, Tanahashi uh, flexing his abs for the camera. Jay immediately running over to protect the titles and, and wearing all three belts. I mean, just that, just hilarious. You know, that's, that's on the uh, fly. Like, that just goes to show, like, those guys are, are professionals. And, and, you know, it props also to the to the commentators because while they were all telling stories or whatever, um, they even threw a line in there. I don't know if you if you caught it where Gino because Gino's just so fucking funny. He's I, I, on the fly. He just says some of the most ridiculous things on commentary. He says something down the lines like Kevin Kelly was just telling the audience, if you're just joining us right now, uh, you know, uh, they, we just experienced an earthquake in Japan, blah, 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 whatever. And then Gino goes like, and yeah, we're not talking about the wrestler either. <laughs> yeah, right, 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 right. Like, like, just funny, like one-liners like that to pop the shit out of you. And, and then, and then, and Chris Charleston jumps in like right after him. He was like, "And we're not talking about his partner either." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I call, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was so good. Um, oh. but yeah, they were they were great at commentary. And then also, what you just said about Jay White just holding all the titles, man. Listen, Jay White is not the champion we deserve. Is the champion we need right now? That's yeah. who we need as our champion, bro. Dude, he's he's basically the baby face in this because he's the one that wants to preserve and the <laughs> lineage, and Bushi's the one that says screw that. So it's kind of like it's so odd how like right. and, and Jay's the heel and Bushi's supposed to be the baby face, and it's like what what are they doing here? Dude, well, and, I, I thought and, that and was Okada, so weird. And Okada's like face, you know, his like his body language and facial expressions, like dude, I'm not fucking with you. Like that's his attitude. He's not yeah, fucking yeah. with Bushi. Well, honestly, he's. I mean. I, I mean, he, he's the one with the longest, uh, recent longest um, 
world title, not world title, well, excuse me, heavyweight title reign. And, right. you know, he's held the belt numerous times. And he's, you know, obviously a big advocate of the history behind the belts and, and everything like that. So, like, I love that. Like, why wouldn't he be upset about it? You know, Tanahashi is, too, because we saw his reaction on commentary that one time, even though he, he didn't have the same reaction as Okada, where he, like, embraced Ibushi a little bit more in the ring here. But, right. he, obviously, he's, he's not fond of it either. So, like, no. why would any of these guys be, um, you know, anybody who's held that belt? You know, I guess it kind of, you know, I thought of this, too. It's like Ibushi has never held the, the IWGB heavyweight title before, right? So right. why would he care, I guess, about, like, anything that's happened previously? Because he doesn't have any heavyweight title reigns. You know, I know he has intercontinental title reigns, but, like, I guess he wants to he wants to be this first guy to, like, hold this brand-new belt. Like, I kind of understand but stand where they're going with it and why he would be, like, he would want to do this. But at the same time, it's kind of like, ugh, like, like, you know, like, would you want to add his name problem. onto the list of champions before him, you know? You're running into a problem, too, because like what you just said before, Jay White, in many ways, he's the baby face in all this because he wants to keep both titles. And and right. every time he's Very called confusing. out Kota Ibushi saying like, oh, you guys wanted Kota Ibushi to be dual champion, but this is the same guy that doesn't want to be a dual champion. He just wants to ha be one title holder. So it's like yeah. you guys deserve what you get because this is who you guys wanted to be the face of the company. Right. Well, me, like I wanted to defend both championships separately like it was originally supposed to be right right it, dude it's it's so strange man and, and I'm, I'm really curious to see where they go with this because i assume at the secure genesis event um on april 4th that's where the world heavyweight title is going to be unveiled and that's when you know you're not going to see the the ic title and the old uh, heavyweight title anymore you're going to see this brand new belt and um yeah, curious to see how it looks. Curious to see how the story goes. And, um, you know, we'll see what happens with Okada because that's definitely foreshadowing for something bigger. And like I mentioned to you off air before we got online here, you know, there's a Tokyo Dome show coming up and there's a huge outdoor stadium show coming up. Yep. So don't be surprised if we see Okada versus Ibushi. And, you know, that, that storyline writes itself right there. So let me tell you something. That uh, Genesis show is April 4th and that's a Sunday morning. So which means... yeah. A couple hours later, we're going to be doing the podcast. I'm letting oh, yeah. you know right now, if New Japan fucks this belt up, this new design belt, they're oh, going to yeah. get the butt. They're going to get the butt. Because when <laughs> yeah. it comes to New Japan, they're out of all these different like promotions. They're like the they're like in the rarest form of all these promotions that catch, that gets the button. Yeah, and, right, right. Right. At times they do. Don't get me wrong. It's not like I haven't given the button before, but it's rare when they get the button. Yeah, if they yeah. if they job out this championship, this championship looks trash. Oh my god, I might go on a rant. I might go on a rant. <laughs> I'll be right there with you, bro. Because I mean, I, I'm I 100 agree. Ever since I, I got into New Japan in, in 2016, that's when I first subscribed to New Japan World and I became like a huge fan. It's crazy how long it's been that I've been like hardcore into New Japan and following it like I have. Um, but yeah, that's the one thing about New Japan and why it's, you know, ultimately th that's my favorite wrestling company. You know, like a lot of people look at me and they just assume like, oh, AEW is your favorite. Like, I guess, yeah, in the U.S. But like, if you ask me like what company I would rather like watch like a big show of, like if, right. if there was conflicting, like just say Wrestle Kingdom was on at like uh, a standard time here in the U.S. Uh, going up against uh, a big WWE show, a big AEW show, like I would choose New Japan any day of the week or just to give you like kind of a. Uh, you know how I view New Japan and how big of a fan I am and how much I love it. 
very rarely do I get mad at anything they do. And that's a reason why I love it so much. It's because everything that they do has a reason, has a purpose. And they don't just, you know, when I watch the shows, I don't feel like I'm wasting my time. Uh, right. They always deliver. The, the storylines are intriguing. Uh, the matchups are great. They always, you know, the tournaments are fantastic. The booking always was great, like had no issues with that. But lately, like it's just I'm, I'm, I'm scratching my head at a couple of, of, of things here. And uh, it's just kind of like odd, you know, because New Japan never really does that. But I am actually confident that the belt will look will look beautiful because they just have the best looking belts in, in wrestling. They do. I, lo- I love them. Um, that's why it hurts me so much seeing that the, these titles aren't going to be no more. But I yeah. agree, agree with you, too. New Japan is, you know, probably one of my favorite promotions. I, I lo- while it's a struggle time sometimes to get up in the morning and yeah, watch it. Yeah, that's Why, the that's a struggle at the si- at the same time, I might be tired and sleepy, but there's like a level of excitement because I'm like, no, I'm going to watch like two, two and a half hours, close to three hours of wrestling that I know that I'm not going to be disappointed. Like I'm going to be enjoying these three hours or whatever. So um, yeah, in New Japan just hits different compared to like a WWE or AEW or Impact or whatever. It just hits different. There's something about me, even like at the G1 Supercar show, like, being having wrestling once again at Madison Square Garden, there what ignore all the Ring of Honor stuff, just yeah. the new Japan feel, especially during Okada and Jay White at the G1 yeah. Supercard. Some it just the air felt different in the arena, everything just felt fucking different. I just love new Japan so much, dude. Yeah, like it just got that different feel, and of course, it's different style of wrestling. And we just talked about the crowd, how different they are than a US crowd. It's just like and 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 one of the like the underrated things about New Japan is I love the venues that they have these shows in. These venues are like the coolest, like yeah, looking old school, like just oh man, it's it's just it's 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 the best. And uh, yeah, like you said, it's a struggle to wake up for, but very rarely have I ever woken up in the middle of the night for a New Japan show. And after it was over, I said like, wow, I wasted my time getting up for that because it's usually always you know worth it, whether. Every match on the card is great or like the main event that you want to see. It, usually it always ends up delivering. I feel like in recent years, I th- if I could point out one disappointment, this is like very nitpicky, whatever, is I feel like their new New Year's Dash's shows oh, yeah. have been kind of a miss. I knew but you were going to say it. that. Yeah, because as I was as I was saying, very rarely do I ever be disappointed. I'm like, oh, wait, well, uh, <laughs> a New Year's Dash this year, I was pretty disappointed. But, you know, besides that. <laughs> besides that, New Japan is great. All yeah. right, let's talk about the semifinals and finals. So uh, one of the semifinal matches that we got, which, man, this match was so good. I wish this was the main event, was Osprey and Finley, dude. Yeah. So this match was so good, and – there was a scary moment where Osprey pushes Finley outside. Yeah. I, I instantly thought this guy broke his ankle. I was like, oh, no. I'm like, this guy just won the Impact Tag titles. He's having a great run with, with um, Juice Robinson. He just came back from injury not too long ago. I'm like, mm. oh, this guy's hurt. But he just sold it like a champ. And I'm like, oh, my God. But that was such a scary moment. But, like, watching this match and then ultimately Osprey going over, while we were kind of shocked that Finley did beat Jay White, I think ultimately it was the right call, and I'm going to tell you why. Especially with this rebuilding relationship we're getting with Impact and New Japan. Hey, they just got these Impact tag titles. They're fucking showing it on New Japan World. They're rocking the straps, just like we talked about last week. And sure. even I think Chris Charleston, because he's he's it's always him that mentions these things. He even teased the possibility of Finjuice defending those titles in New Japan. So yeah. 
Um, I think it was the right call to have David Finley in the semifinals. And man, mm-hmm. Finley and, and Osprey just had such a great match, bro. This should have this should have yeah. been the main event over Evil and Shingo. Dude, I 100% agree. I, I tweeted it on the Lucha Outsiders uh, Twitter account as uh, you know. I, I didn't I didn't wake up to watch that live, but I watched it. You know, um, when I woke up yesterday morning. And dude, I agree 100%. I was a little baffled, or very baffled, I should say, when Finley ended up eating Jay White because uh, I was just like, "What? Like this is so weird and random." Um, but after that showing against Osprey, I'm like, okay, well, this dude definitely deserved to be here. And like, I think you could make a case and, and, you know, maybe it's too early. We maybe have to see a little bit more, but I saw some people saying like, this dude deserves a G1 spot. And I wouldn't be opposed to that. Cause this dude Me can either. have bangers with, with people. I'm, I mean, I'm cool with that. I'm cool with, Finley I mean, I am part of G1. Yeah. Like I am a fan of David Finley. I think he's great. I a hundred percent agree. This match should have been the main event. Those two work their asses off. And, it was just a great underdog story. You know, David Finley had me at a couple of those near falls. And yeah. I knew back in the in the back of my mind that there was no shot he was going to end up winning. Um, but, I, you know, he got me over, on some of those. And when that spot outside the ring, they even had the doctor run over, right? Like, And I was like, oh, my God, like, this is a legit injury here. And he's like, they got me, bro. They yeah, they, me. they worked me into, into uh, you know, yeah. It was just like I said, it was crazy, and um, like the the finishing sequence was so good too. And Osprey yeah. just like he's like treating him like a rag doll, like throwing him down, power bombing right. him, getting the flipping him back up, getting him back for the storm uh, stormbreaker, like so good, dude, so good. And uh, yeah, David Finley, what a story too, because he came back from that injury that that sidelined him. He got in great shape. Yeah, he, he's he looks good. He, he's the son of obviously Fit Finley, so he's got the, the family history behind him. Dude, this guy could be a major player, man, if if given the right opportunities. And and this is another thing about New Japan that I love. It's like this is how they build stars. Like yep. they took a chance on on this guy. Like they said, okay, you're gonna go over our one of our biggest stars, Jay White here. You're gonna mm-hmm. have this showing against Osprey, and it's gonna make you, you know, a superstar. And it's gonna get people talking about you. It's gonna get people respecting you. And you know, this is just this is how they build stars. And and I love it. I mean, who who could be mad after that match that that he went remember. over Jay White? I remember seeing David Finley in 2016, 2017, and I'm like, Finley, I'm like, this little chubby kid, and I don't want to say kid because I think he's like around my age or something, but I'm like, this little chubby bastard, that's the fifth Finley son or whatever. And even at that point in time, he still wrestled good. It was just yeah. he didn't really um stand out. I guess he didn't really found himself yet. Like yeah. he didn't know how he wanted to portray his character. He didn't know who he really wanted to be. And man, look at the growth on David Finley. I'm so happy for him. Yeah, and like I said, I think it was a right call in New Japan having him be in the semifinals. Mm-hmm. One, because you're just making a guy. And two, it, it goes back to the whole impact and New Japan relationship. They're just new tag champs. Why not showcase them, have them show the bell or whatever, and put them in a prominent role in this in this tournament? Right. And also, too, if you're going to have Jay White versus Will Ospreay, those are like two heels. Right. So, like, like how do you – like, who who's the, the crowd supposed to root for, right? Like, here, Ospreay, you have Ospreay, who's a – bastard and and this this huge heel like obviously people were going to be getting behind david finley and that just just builds him into a bigger star so yeah i like i said no complaints and i wish that was the main event because we'll get to it but my god i can't stand oh, evil <laughs> dude there's really not much to say about the shingle and evil match and it's not that the match was bad it was just whatever shingle never has yeah. a bad match but it's just <clears throat> Evil, bro. It's just 
There's a disconnect there. Every time I see evil, it's like, why are you part of Bullet Club? Oh, get off of my TV. But they keep on giving these prominent roles to evil. I don't know if, if Gato just has a heart for him. I, I really don't know what it is. But um, to me, evil's not doing it. Um, they teased on uh, the final of the New Japan Cup uh, this morning that they might go after the six-man title. I mean, I think that's a prominent role for evil. Keep them in multi-man matches. Because I yeah. don't want to see this guy in uh, single matches like all the time, like especially in in these main roles. This like to me, yeah, these these big spots. Yeah, evil shouldn't evil shouldn't have been in the semi. I'm sorry. And it's just it's exhausting to watch evil matches because you know you just know how it's gonna go with like Dick Togo always getting involved. And I understand like you know if you have a manager and you're a heel like that, like. You know, the guy's going to get involved in big-time spots. Yes, I get it. But, man, it's like, you could predict this shit. And it's just, like, over and over. And it's the same song and dance every single time. It's just exhausting, man. And it's a shame because before Evil joined the Bullet Club, I, I really did enjoy Evil. I thought he was very good. I mean, he's he's not a bad wrestler. But no, it's just, not. like, it's, it's just, like, his matches – I mean, I, I, exhausting is the right word, I feel like, because it's just like every time he's in there, you're just like, oh, you know, and it's just like it's a uh, it's just, like I said, it's the same exact song and dance. And I'm just I'm tired of it. Like 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 you said, he needs to do something in a tag team or a six man team or I just don't want to see him in these big spots anymore. Not, not anytime soon, because it's just it's not working. Well, let's talk about something that was not disappointed, and that was the final. We got mm -hmm. Shingo versus Osprey to the rematch from the best of the Super Juniors in 2019. That was my match of the year in 2019. I thought that yep. match was phenomenal. I thought this match was phenomenal. Do I think was it was it better than the best of the Super Junior ones? No, but I still think this match was incredible. I think this is a match that we're going to talk about at the end of the year. Oh man, these two. They, they, uh, we always talk about um, talents that can never have bad matches with each other, right? Mm -hmm. And yep. you could throw in Shingo and Osprey because I could see them. I could see them wrestle for an hour, and I wouldn't get bored. That's how good these two are. Yeah, and it's funny because before the match happened, Kevin Kelly said, "There's no time limit on this. This is the New Japan Cup final. No time limit." So I said, "Oh great, I, I will watch them wrestle for two hours if I." Have. I know it's, <laughs> obviously it's not going to happen, but I said, "Hey, I would. I would not complain about that." Uh, yeah, dude, I these two are just incredible athletes, uh, two of the best in the world, amazing chemistry. I agree. It wasn't uh, better than their 2019 Best of the Super Junior final match. That was going to be really hard to top, though, so I didn't expect that. But, man, this was just incredible. Um, just the, the hard-hitting pace, the, the high-flying moves from Will Ospreay, the near falls, the counters, the reversals. I mean, right. holy shit, dude, like unbelievable. Like Will, when Will Ospreay countered, the pumping bomber, like that that spot, like and then he he countered into the os cutter, like dude, I was like, holy shit, how does this guy do the things that he does? Like, I will never ever get over how Will Osprey does these things. Like, I, he this dude, like a part of me thinks he's not human. It's it's unbelievable. Right, I can't right. I can't say enough about this guy. This guy gets his pretty much his head taken off, lands on his feet. Stills running in motion and then just does an ass cutter like like nothing. Yeah, and, and he knows the perfect spot. Like, well, I mean, I know Shingo has to be in the right position, but right, like, right, right, right. Just he he knows how to hit it, where to go. Like, oh, dude, this this guy is just unbelievable, and I can't wait until he's on top of New Japan and he's 
you know, obviously right now he, he's being booked like a, like a top star and they know what they have in this guy. And this guy's fully invested and committed right. to new Japan, but I can't wait to see when he's at the top of the mountain with the world title. Like, dude, this guy is just incredible. And, and this is the perfect place for him too. We're talking about how new Japan is like the best wrestling promotion out there. I can't see this guy ever jumping to like WWE or anything. No. Like, that. like, like no. his style and, and the things he could do, he would never be able to do this stuff anywhere Absolutely else. Not. No, no. You know? Also, there was a spot in the match because they kept on teasing the table spot or whatever. And, you know, the tables in New Japan are in Japan are just completely different. They're not like yeah. the American tables. Right. I, when he got to the – when he finally got Shingo on that table and he went to the top rope, I'm like, bro, is this guy going to fucking do a shooting star? I'm, I was like – I was scared for the dude. But he ended yeah. up nailing like this gnarly-ass 450. Yeah. Uh, oh, this match was just fucking great, man. And I'm not going to lie to you. I was kind of surprised that Osprey went over. Um I think a lot of people, including yourself, predicted that Shingle was going to go over. Yeah, I I was very surprised. Um, I'm not going to complain because no, dude, we're, we're on the we're on the verge of getting Osprey versus Ibushi, and right. uh, like I've just raved, ranted, and raved about how great Osprey is. Um, and we were just talking before, like this is what New Japan does, man. Like Shingle is not his momentum's not killed because of no, this. He's not no. like he's not buried, like. Dude, he beat Okada, Goto, Kenta. Like, he had a, an incredible run, this New Japan Cup, and all the guys he beat to get to Osprey. And this is kind of plays into the story now of how, like, you know, this is going to turn into a rivalry. And the story is that Shingo can't beat Will Osprey. And I just saw Shingo tweeted too. He says, Osprey keeps evolving. And, you know, I need to keep evolving if I want to beat him or be better than him. And, Dude, that's gonna play into you know the storyline, and and Shingo was a made man in this tournament too. So uh, you know, while I wanted him to win, and I predicted him, and I really thought he was going to, I have no complaints about Osprey going over, but I was definitely uh, very surprised by it. Well, let's talk about what happened post match because I think people were more shocked on what transpired post match than Osprey actually winning the New Japan Cup. So Kota Bushi was actually ringside doing Japanese uh, commentary through the whole match. And even Abushi was, like, trying to amp up Shingo during the match. Like, every time Shingo was, like, just, like, hanging by a limb or whatever, you know, trying to get back in the ring. There was just, like, moments like that where Abushi was trying to, like, you know, cheer on Shingo. Yeah. Osprey finally goes over. Uh, he's holding the trophy. He's uh, He has Bia Priestley with him. Um, Jeff Cobb and Great O'Connor were outside during the whole match. They're all posing in the ring. Kota Ibushi gets in the ring. Osprey gets on the mic. They have a face-off. Osprey's telling him, like, there's nothing more that he wants. It's to be the IWGP World Heavyweight Champion. He, you know, he loves it more than anything. The idea of that, he loves it more than anything. And why I mean anything right. more than anything. And all of a sudden, boom, out of nowhere, Oscutter on Bia Priestley, and the crowd goes silent. That goes to yeah. show you the difference between a Japanese crowd and an American <laughs> crowd. Because if it would have been out here, or even, like, in the U.K., you know, the crowd would have went nuts, you know, probably like an asshole chant to Osprey, all this type of things, right? In Japan, mm. they went silent because you don't see these type of things in Japan. You really no, don't. And it's it was kind of like, hard. and I feel like also the crowd was kind of like, I don't know how to react to this because I feel like it was unnecessary. Like, mm -hmm. is Bia Priestley like what? Is she going to like go on a, like a, is she going to come back to the States and wrestle for AEW again? Is, is this a way of writing her out for what reason? Um, I just didn't under, I really didn't get the logic behind Osprey, you know, 
giving a cutter to to Bia. Like I really, I, I really didn't get the the logic behind it. Um, it did get heat more on Osprey that I, I'm cool with, but I don't know, you know, to get heat when, especially with the role that Osprey's in, I mean, it's not really hard to get heat. So I thought it was weird. Um, after that, you have the the post match comments like inside where uh, backstage mm-hmm. where you know he's getting an interview and he cut a, an amazing promo, mm-hmm. um, and then he was just celebrating with Jeff Cobb and and Great O'Connor and I think Will Osprey something down the line like we're all single boys or some shit like that yeah. something down those lines. Yeah. Um, I thought I think this match between Abushi and Osprey is going to be incredible. We've seen what they did at Wrestle Kingdom a couple of years ago for the Never Openweight Championship. Um, they have great chemistry. I could only imagine what they're going to do now. But uh, I just thought it was weird, the whole, um, you know, the him turning on on his girlfriend. And then after that, it's like, dude, I'm taking a nap. Like, <laughs> like I, yeah. I, I need to like I need to like sleep for a couple hours and then wake up and try to analyze everything I just watched. It was very weird. Yeah, it, it was. And I agree it was unnecessary. Uh, I don't really think it needed to happen in order for like Osprey to show you how much the world title means to him. I don't think he need to he needed to give an os cutter to his girlfriend. Okay? No. Like like there were other ways that this could have played out. How about just saying I am I've been fully committed to New Japan for a while now. I even moved here. I put in all the work to become a heavyweight after dominating the junior division. This right. is my destiny. This is what I've always wanted. This is why I'm here. You didn't have to give your girlfriend an RKO. <laughs> to prove to me that you want to be world champion, okay? Um, I just, I didn't understand it. And to me, this is what everybody's talking about now. Nobody's talking about how great this match was between no. Shingo and Osprey. People are just talking about the Os cutter he gave to B. Priestley after the match. And I'm just like, mm-hmm. no. Like, I don't even like when any company does AEW, WWE, Impact, anything. When you have, like, a big-time match like this and you just – like, made a big-time match official, like Osprey and Ibushi, why do something that's going to take away from what you just did that was so great that that everybody was happy about, you know? Like, I just don't think it was necessary. Right, we just seen an AEW with the Explosion barbed wire deathmatch. The match, to me, that, that match was incredible. I have that in my list of matches this year, but the problem is that people are going to remember that match not because of how great it was. It was the fart in church that we got afterwards. Similar situation here, if you ask me. And like I said, I just, I don't understand it. It just, it's, it's, it's the example of doing too much when you don't have to. And and right. like you said, New Japan doesn't do this stuff. So like, I'm kind of like surprised that they did. And let me just say, I don't know where you stand on this, Mario, but I've seen a lot of negativity because of this online about domestic violence and this and that, and they shouldn't be doing this. Not in any way am I condoning domestic violence. But, I mean, how soft are you and how soft is this world getting? I mean, Randy Orton not too long ago RKO'd Beth Phoenix. He has a match with Alexa Bliss tonight. Right. He's fighting Alexa Bliss. We see intergender matches on the indies. How about going back in the day, the things Randy Orton used to do? Right? Like, did you just start watching wrestling, like, yesterday? Like, I don't understand – how you could think? I think the I think this... the criticism I think the criticism goes a little bit deeper than that. Um, I think the criticism is when 
when and, and I don't want to go into detail, right? Because it's a lot of there's a lot of he said she said shit. So I don't want to go into detail of that. Yeah, but, yeah. I didn't I didn't want to open up a, a, a can of worms right, here, but I, but I just wanted like to the, mention real quick. Right. So I, but I feel like the criticism on Osprey. I still feel like there's a, a good portion of the audience that still doesn't fuck with Osprey with some of the things, whether it's true or not, that came out during the Speaking yeah. Out movement. So yeah, I think yeah. that's why he gets a lot of heat. Yeah, I mean, if that's the case, then okay. Um, you know, and again, this is not going to be everybody's cup of tea. And, I, and hey, if you feel that way, like it was disgusting, you know, uh, I saw some people saying this is vile. I'm like, vile. I'm like, oh, jeez, oh, all he did was give her an ice cutter. It's not like, it's not like he beat her to death with like, you know, with like all these weapons, you know, but I mean, if, if you feel that way, then that I can't tell you how to feel or how you should feel. But I just think like, you know, hold the phone a little bit because it's, this is not the first time we've seen somebody like a man, like do a move like this to a woman in a pro wrestling setting, you know, like WWE has been doing it for years. Right. Um, so, you know, just, I, I don't think the criticisms there are really uh, deserved, but like, it, like I didn't really think of the speaking out movement. If that's the case, then, you know, I can't really uh and that, and that's just and that's Norton. just me that's just me more speculating but I'm with you bro everybody from what I'm seeing is talking more now don't get me wrong shock value wise I'm like wow I can't believe he did that but I'm still I still think that the match was incredible that Shingo and Osprey put yeah. on Yeah me too like I I care more about the match obviously than than the post match angle um so I'll always remember the match but I just wonder how many people will uh, because of this angle that was just unnecessarily done and right. and like you said this only makes sense if they're writing her off of, of New Japan television because if they're not and she just comes out with him <laughs> like at the at the no Genesis, it makes no sense. Yeah, it just it doesn't I don't get it. No. All right. Let's um for the first time that we've done this in weeks, we're gonna talk a little bit of Raw, which we have not done that in weeks. We do it we purposely ignore Raw because on how bad of a watch that show is. But there has been some interesting notes that came out of this Monday Night Raw that I do want to touch on. Um, well, they announced uh, Drew McIntyre challenging for the World Heavyweight Championship against Bobby Lashley. Not on Monday Night Raw. They did it on Twitter first, and then they made the, the official announcement on Raw. <sighs> Before we get into that, I want to ask you a question, because you are going to WrestleMania. Mm -hmm. I feel since post-Royal Rumble, and I understand we're still in a pandemic. I get that. I don't feel like it's WrestleMania yet. Yeah. When, when going into the Royal Rumble, even with a with the Royal Rumble for the first time ever, with no audience, no nothing, you still had the Royal Rumble feeling to it. You were excited because you didn't mm -hmm. know what to expect. Like you still felt like the Royal Rumble feelings. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This this WrestleMania, and and don't get me wrong, people are still gonna go to Mania. We're still going to watch. And and I'm sure, I'm almost positive that they're going to give us a good show, right? Mm -hmm. Even though the card's, what, like 40% done, if anything, right? But Right. And it's not even, we still have like, what, we're a month, uh, less than a month away from Mania? Mm -hmm. But it just doesn't feel like WrestleMania yet. It doesn't. It doesn't to me. And then you make an announcement uh, of one of the main events, right? Or however you want to word it for the world title between Lashley and McIntyre on Twitter. And then you have Fastlane tonight. I, I don't know, man. I have a funny feeling, and I could be wrong here. I have a funny feeling that this match is going to be changed, and we're going to see the, intro the introduction to this match of Sheamus. And Sheamus deserves it with the performances he's been doing lately. Just give me your thoughts on, like, 
how you feel like I know you're going to Mania, but how you feeling about like this whole WrestleMania vibe and just on how they're they're doing business? Yeah, it it I agree. It does it not felt like WrestleMania season at all. But you know, there could be a you know, like like you said, the pandemic is still going on and and you know, tickets didn't go on sale until much later. So usually like when I go to you go to Mania, like you have your tickets already, so you, you get hyped no matter what. But this year I really didn't know like if I was gonna be going or not and and then um you know, they have these two pay-per-views, the Elimination Chamber and Fastlane that they're building towards. And it's kind of just like, that kills the vibe, I think, for me. It's like too many pay-per-views in between Royal Rumble and WrestleMania. The Elimination Chamber can stay because it's always been there. And it, it's a good way to, to determine number one contenders and whatnot. But Fastlane is so unnecessarily, unnecessary and not needed that I just I don't understand bump. why it's happening. The it's a speed, speed bump. bump. Yeah, right. It, it really, it's the most inconvenient speed bump pothole whatever you want you want to call it uh in the way on the road to wrestlemania because it's just like okay I, i'm excited for daniel bryan and roman reigns tonight very excited the match is going to be awesome drew and sheamus is going to be great too but like we've already seen it twice on raw so it's kind of like why am i seeing it again and if drew's already announced to face bobby lashley why is this match happening unless sheamus is going to be added but he would have to go over drew here and I just don't see how that makes sense if Drew is going to be involved in that match, too. And you already just announced that match to be official. So, like, I don't know. But, yeah, I mean, the, the card doesn't really be undercard right now. I mean, the, the top matches excite me with Sasha and Bianca, uh, Edge and Roman and Bobby and, and Drew. Um, but everything else that's, that's, like, in the works or uh, rumored doesn't really do much for me. But, you know, like you said, they'll deliver. It'll be a great show. It's WrestleMania at the end of the day. Um, you know, I'll be there, yes. So, like, it's impossible for me not to have a good time. Um, but, yeah, it's 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 a wacky, wacky build so far for, for Mania. But, uh, you know, I guess the real test will, will be after tonight because starting tomorrow, you're legit on the road to WrestleMania. Like, they'll be starting to officially announce matches and we'll see the real build towards, you know, the events it's like, three weeks away at this point so um i think it starting tomorrow it should feel a little bit more like wrestlemania season say by tomorrow it's like <clears throat> it's like we're approaching like the 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 toll booth to get into no. WrestleMania. <laughs> uh, yeah yeah and then also like besides Fastlane being like an inconvenient like a lot of these matches besides roman and um brian and i also say apollo and Big E. besides like those two matches Everything is just like a mishmash. It's like, why are we getting it? And yeah, like, how many cards. times have we seen Drew and Sheamus like beat the shit out of each other the last month? Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, they announced uh, Seth Rollins versus Nakamura, which will be awesome. Um, mm -hmm. Ali and and Riddle again, but like these things were just thrown on like three days before the pay per view. So it's kind of like. Like, I hate that, you know? It's like Nakamura and Seth Rollins right. has potential to be so damn good. And it, and I'm going to enjoy the hell out of it. But it's like, I wish there was more story and more build behind it, you know? So, you know, that, that, that's basically how Fastlane feels in a nutshell. It just feels like a thrown-together pay-per-view that we shouldn't really care about. Because, you know, the main thing I'm going to look for here is to see if Daniel Bryan, how, how you know, kind of get a maybe a more general idea of if he's going to be added to the world title match. And then the mm -hmm. thing with Sheamus too, because I tweeted on again at Lucha outsiders, you, you better follow it on Twitter. I tweeted this um, after, after raw on Monday when Bobby Lashley and Sheamus had a, had a killer main event. 
I said, you can make a case for both world title matches at Mania to be triple threats because, you know, Sheamus, no matter if you like the guy or you don't like the guy, you can't deny that this dude is a freaking workhorse, man. He is a tremendous, tremendous worker. I wouldn't be opposed to a triple threat for the WWE title and neither for the world, he- uh, the universal. I always say world heavyweight. Um, yeah, no, that's fine. I call it world heavyweight championship too. Hey, you know, with the whole, the whole shame, like let's say Sheamus does get introduced and, and make it a, making it a three-way for the world title. You know, there's your out too. If you want to continue this drew McIntyre, Bobby Lashley story, cause Sheamus will eat the pin. Yeah. And same thing for edge and, and, and Roman and Brian. It's like, if you want to protect Roman and you also want to give edge his moment, you just right. have him pin Daniel Bryan. You know, to win the title, and then you could still have that story of Edge and Roman post Mania. Uh, so another thing that happened on Monday Night Raw, which was like a head scratcher, right? So you have New Day challenging the Hurt Business, Bert, oh. the Hurt Business, Sean Benjamin, Cedric Alexander for the tag titles, right? Now I thought this match was great. I thought this match was incredible, but man, yeah, do I hate, especially right now that Bobby Lashley is the world champion. I hate that Shelton and Cedric were the casualties just for AJ fucking Styles to be challenging the New Day for the tag titles with almost. It's just, you have AJ Styles in your fucking roster and you put him in a tag team title championship match at Mania. It's like, come on, utilize this guy. And also, no disrespect to almost, right? It's like I think I think we all envision, right? Whenever, if and when AJ would be uh, a challenger for a tag team championship, right? We all we figured like his partner would be like sometime like an, an, an all-star tag team, kind of like yeah. a Finn Balor, or like an Adam Cole, or yeah. like a Samoa Joe, or like a Seth Rollins, or like a Nakamura, or like a Daniel Bryan. And the list could go on and on. Not a guy like almost, and I'm not trying to take a dig at almost, but it's like, I don't know, man. AJ deserves better. The Hurt Business deserves better. And no disrespect to, to the New Day. I love the New Day. But, like, now they're 11-time tag team champions just so we could get this match. I'm like, I feel like there could have been another way. Yeah, I, I really don't know how to feel about this. I'll be completely honest with you. Um, you know, the New Day just winning tag title after tag title is becoming a joke at this point. I mean, I mean, who could who could seriously care? I love the New Day, too. Don't get me wrong. They are, when it's all said and done, those three as a group could be put into the Hall of Fame because of how great they are together and how just how much success that they've had over the past few years, how many title reigns they've had. But it's just like, I mean, who could really care about them seeing them winning their 11th tag team title? Like, it's, it's just ridiculous. And to do it so last minute out of the blue, just because, you know, uh, Shelton and um, Cedric didn't fit into their WrestleMania plans for the tag titles, you just screw them out of the belts as if like they never deserved to be champion just to give it to the new day and then screw like any automatic rematch clause for, for those two guys who just lost the belts. Right. You automatically just have two new challengers emerging out of completely nowhere. Right. It's AJ styles and almost, and like, you know, sometimes when I'm really down on matches like this, for example, they end up really surprising me to the point where I'm like, okay, like they, proved me wrong. So I'm hoping that happens here because I don't necessarily think it's going to be a bad match. I mean, AJ no. in the same ring as Kofi and Xavier and who knows how this guy almost is. I mean, this dude is, what is he? Like seven foot tall. Like 
I don't know what he could do in the ring, so I'm not going to be one to judge. Right. But this is just not what me or you or probably anybody else really envisioned for AJ Styles to do at WrestleMania. Oh, who knows? Maybe AJ Styles does like a 450 on top of almost like. Right. Like, I mean, I, you know, you they could utilize his height oh, in man. weird ways. I don't know. Well, listen, if this is a way to get the return of the champ that runs the camp as a tag team champion, I'm cool with it. But I just. AJ is not going to be much longer with the WWE, you know, right. contract wise. We don't know if he's going to resign again. We, we don't know. Right. I just feel like you have to utilize this guy to his full potential because you're not going to have him. You know, you don't have him for that long One, he's getting older, even though he still wrestles like he's in his 20s and 30s. But he's getting up there in age and, and we don't know if AJ is going to, you know, hang him up eventually. Like, you know, after his contract is up, which he has said. Hey, I, I, you know, this is my last contract. I don't plan on wrestling anymore. But, you know, now times have changed. It, it could all change. Right, you know what I'm right. saying? But I don't know, man. I just, I love AJ Styles so much. And I think people that that watch us on Facebook Live and listen to the podcast know how much of an AJ Styles mark that I am. I just, you got to use this guy to his full potential and just to take him, just to stick him in a in a tag title match against the New Day, and then the Hurt Business are the fucking casualties in all this? It's right. just like, come on, man. You know, I did see some people saying, like, oh, you know, but it's different. Everybody's always clamoring for something different. AJ's never gone for the tag titles. And I was like, okay, I mean, that's that's a good point. You know, it is something new, um, you know, because let's be honest, the tag teams on the WWE roster, I mean, what tag teams? Right, right. Who who else is there besides those two, um, you know, Hurt Business and The New Day? So, like, okay, like, you know, whatever. And like I said, the match might end up surprising a lot of people, and I right. hope it does. Right, me too. All right, let's talk about some WWE rumors before we move on to, like, NXT and, and AEW. So, uh, Charlie Caruso, which I love very, very much. I'm a big Charlie guy. Big Charlie guy. All right. I got to meet her. She's even more beautiful in person. But uh, some rumors came out with her uh, about her saying that um, she got some heat. Um, she's been taken off TV because apparently she was showing up uh, late to uh, Monday Night Raw. She got taken off of Raw Talk. Mm -hmm. And now there's rumors coming out that, you know, her contract is pretty much up in April with WWE. For those that don't know, Charlie has been doing a lot of stuff with ESPN on SportsCenter and some other stuff on ESPN. I believe she has a podcast First with ESPN. Take, yeah. First take, yeah. So, I mean, WWE is not the end-all, be-all for her. And rightfully so, because she's a great, like, on-air talent for other avenues. You know, and when I know sports is a big a passion of hers. Um, it's not really much to say here, but I do want to pick your brain when it comes to Charlie. Yeah, so, I mean, I'll, I'll – this is just, you know, a story that I have. And I don't want anybody to be like, oh, you know, you don't know that. You don't know her. I'm just going by what I was told. So I have a friend. Her, her sister – yeah, her sister's fiancé actually works for the WWE. He works at the headquarters in, in Stamford, Connecticut. Um, he works, like, in the production field and all that stuff. He does a lot of things for, like, the WWE Network and stuff and – Yes, that is a connection that I definitely want to hold on to for future references, but that's besides the fact. Um, so, like, you know, I, I mean, saw I mean, him. I'm going to go back to the Lucha Outsider show. I'm going to be like, 
Hey, weren't you bashing us back in episode? Yeah, whatever. right, right. Oh, that's yeah. I know. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> in 2019, I met him for the first time, and uh, you know, we just went out to like a bar, or whatever. And and my friend was like, "Oh yeah, like uh, my sister's fiance is coming, and like you could talk to him about like wrestling and stuff. Like you could pick his brain and stuff." I was like, "Okay, cool, great." And like I was asking him a lot of stuff, like um, about people he's met in the company and, and who's cool, who's not like things like that. He said that almost everybody hates working with Charlie Caruso. Yeah. She is. Um, she just thinks she's better than everybody else. They'll be doing like, she'll be on set. Right. And then like, they'll want her to like look up to get in like perfect camera shot or whatever. And she's just on her phone. And like, they have to tell her more than once to like do things. And, uh, you know, she needs to just, you know, like, like I said, like, uh, like just little things like that. Like she thinks she's hot shit, this and that. And I, like, I mean, I mean, I mean, like, like, come on, like, can, can you, yeah, I know. I know. I mean, like, not that she's not, but you know, if you, I can look at her and completely just like see that, like I can envision that. Um, so like, and that's coming from somebody who like works with, her directly like i said he does a lot of things for the network does a lot like camera and lighting and production things like that and uh they just say like she's very just like you know hard to work with she's very stuck on really? and uh, yeah so ever since that i've kind of like soured on her uh, i mean I, I of course i was like you too i was like i seen her online i'm, I, I'm like like <laughs> love it love what i see but um you know what's crazy you know um and this is like with us without knowing these people, right? Because at the end of the day, we just know from what we see on TV and some of the stuff that we see on social media, right? Yeah. Just based on my interaction with Charlie, she was like so, such a sweetheart. But then again, she's doing like signings and stuff like that. So at the end of the day, you kind of got to play that role, right? I mean, you're not giving her money, he, so yeah. Right, of course. Not <laughs> saying that also that maybe she didn't mean to, you know, like she was putting up an act, but she was very like, you know, sweet, down to earth or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. But like, Looking at all these like on air talents, right? Uh, on WWE, I would think like Kayla would be the one that would be a little bit more stuck up compared to Charlie. Yeah, yeah. It's, you know, I guess you just like some people give off that vibe. And then, you know, some people are just not who you think they are. It, it's, it's weird. But, um, you know, yeah, like when this story came out, like I said, like I guess a lot of people like you, I may, probably in particular, were like really surprised by this. But me, I was just like not really surprised one bit because wow. like, I just referenced how, uh, you know, what my friend told me um, and everything like that. So it's unfortunate. Um, I don't, you know, she had a lot of heat with like people like Randy Orton and Sheamus apparently too for being late to interviews and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if this is her way just like out of the WWE because she wants to be at ESPN more so. Right. Um, either way, it's going to work out because she will probably be full time at ESPN uh, since she's not returning to, to WWE. She's fantastic at what she does. Don't get me wrong; like she's really, really good on like first take with Stephen A. Smith and Max Kellerman when she fills in there. Uh, she was great on the WWE uh, pre-show panels, backstage interviews, and stuff like that. No doubt about it. She's not good at what she does, but you know, again, it's kind of like you lose a lot of respect for these people when they have this sort of attitude, kind of attitude towards things. Right. It's like you're, you're good at what you do, but it doesn't mean you're better than everybody else, you know? So it's kind of just like, it's a shame, but, uh, and I don't know, like I said, I don't know if this is true or not. Like, uh, yeah, no, I don't no, want no, Ryan, you know, don't to clean it up. I, I'm not, I don't want to, you know, the, I, won't, I can't write, I can't wait to write the bio for this episode. Ryan drops insight on the Charlie Caruso room. <laughs> 
<laughs> I drop the inside info that not even Dave Meltzer knows about. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> well, that's interesting. Now, I don't know if you're going to have insight for the next couple rumors that I got for you. So, um, Andrade, our boy, Cien Almas, he confirms the rumors that have been coming out with him. He put out a, a Twitter post saying that, you know, he uh, the rumors are true. He's still going to continue chasing his dreams, um, whichever, whatever that means, right? But on an interesting note, when it comes to the whole Andrade speculation, right, uh, situation, I mean. So it came out this week that Charlotte actually pitched an idea to do like an on-screen type storyline with Andrade, right? Apparently, mm. WWE shut down those rumors. Now, I don't know if this is happening but by design or maybe Charlotte said, fuck yeah. But for the last, I want to say, what was it, like a week or two now? Charlotte had been absent from WWE TV, and even yeah. when it came to the WrestleMania graphic, they removed her from it. So I don't know if this is happening by design. I don't know if WWE's trying to like calm down the heat, but mm -hmm. um, I don't know, man. I would not be surprised if Charlotte is standing by her man. Also, I wanted to point. I want to point this out. Um, it came out. I want to say like a year and a half ago, give mm -hmm. or take. Charlotte and Andrade actually copyright a couple of names andrade if i'm not mistaken i think he owns the rights to la sombra which was his his mask gimmick when he was in singing cmml in new japan he also copyrighted he trademarked and copyrighted el idolo el idolo el, el there you go it's my spanish ain't good sorry guys <laughs> he copyrighted that too charlotte also copyrighted and trademarked ashley flair um listen I'm not I'm not trying to say that Charlotte's leaving WWE. That's not what I'm trying to say. But I find this very, very interesting that now all of a sudden Charlotte is missing in action. Unfortunately, I don't have any insider info on this whole situation. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry to disappoint for anybody who was sitting there thinking that uh, you know, maybe I'll drop a bombshell on this. That's, uh, why, no, you, uh, that's why you're the analysis of the LLC. <laughs> there, there you go, right? You don't give me that name for nothing. Uh, yeah, this, uh, I mean, good for Andrade. Uh, I'm happy if, uh, if he wants out, uh, obviously he's not getting it right now. I don't know when his, um, contract is up, but unless, like you said, they, they really just turn things around, which I don't think so. And I hope he doesn't fall for that crap. Uh, he out and, uh, he's probably going to go back to new Japan, uh, which is what I would love or, um, you know, I think we mentioned this too, like AEW and stuff like that. Obviously, it's the obvious place everybody thinks so. But as far as like the whole Charlotte thing, it is interesting. And it's not something I, I feel like we should be overlooking. And I know like, you know, she's obviously a top star. She's Ric Flair's daughter. She's, you know, this and that. And But it is interesting. And when she got removed from the WrestleMania poster and she's been absent from WWE TV, especially when Asuka just came back. So like she was calling out Asuka. And Oscar was out with the concussion, and then Oscar comes back, and we haven't seen Charlotte Flair since. So it is interesting, and, and I don't think you're wrong for reading a little bit too much into it because, I mean, there could be nothing there, but I don't know. Like I said, I wouldn't look past it completely. Um, I would love it if she's standing by him, and uh, but it, it just I would hate it if like they're taking it out on Charlotte too. Like I just feel like I hate that petty bullshit that the WWE does when it's right. like. One guy asks for his release and he's dating another person and they take it out on her. It's just like like the Rusev and Lana thing. Like, you know, Rusev cuts a promo on AEW about Vince and WWE and then uh, Vince punishes Lana by putting her through a table seven weeks in a row. Like, I, like <laughs> it's just petty shit. I'm just like, why? So 
I don't know. It, it's interesting. It's definitely something to keep an eye on. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about NXT. We had um to start the show. We had this uh Finn Balor carrying Cross uh back and forth. This led to Scarlett kind of saying she envisions. Well, they had a, a, a back and forth saying like who's the real champion type thing. Like Cross is saying he never dropped the title. Um, Finn Balor, you know, being angry as usual. And it's funny with Finn Balor because. Finn Balor's always fucking angry, but I'm like, you're the champion. Why are you so angry? <laughs> yeah, right, right. It's just, it's very but, interesting. Hey, it's better than him smiling all the time. Right. Though. No, no, absolutely. I'd rather, <laughs> I'd rather see Finn Balor be fucking angry 24-7 than yeah. him smiling for fucking no reason and, and right. wearing too many colorful colors. Like, just saying. But um, yeah. I, I tell you what, while I have been down on, on the idea of this match, this little promo that it had kind of got me a little, it piqued my interest a little bit. Just a little back and forth. Then Scarlett says that she kind of had like this uh, envision where you'll, uh, where everyone will be draped in gold. And I'm like, what? And then out comes Danny Birch and Oni Lorik. And I'm like, oh no, what are they doing here? Right. Mm -hmm. So they, Scarlett somehow convinces them to, you know, put up the tag titles against uh, Cross and Balor in the main event. And then I instantly started having like, John Cena, Shawn Michaels, WrestleMania uh, 23 vibes where they were the main event, but also holding the tag team championships. Yeah. I was getting like those type of vibes. And I'm like, I mean, that's kind of interesting. But at the same time, it's like, you know, even the tag division on NXT. I know, I know we always like run our mouths when it comes to the tag division on Raw and SmackDown. But like even like the tag division on NXT. Yes, there's more potential there, but it's like. You know, ever since Pat McAfee has, you know, split, Danny Burch and Oni Larkin haven't been that interesting as tag champions. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they're kind of just there, you know. Um, as far as this goes, I am sick and tired of, of WWE constantly putting two guys or girls who are going to have this big matchup in a tag team before that for the tag right. titles. Like, I hate having them team up. Like, I, like... Yeah, okay, John Cena, Shawn Michaels, yeah, when they did it and they won. Okay, I mean, if you're going to do it, then at least make a title change then, you know? I just, I mean, they're doing it with Sasha and Bianca. We've seen it, we, we've seen them do it in the past as well. And then they're doing it here on NXT. It's just like, enough is enough. Like, can they come up with something a little bit more creative? I mean, just try a little bit, like, to right. be a little bit more creative in the build towards this potential big championship match that we're getting in a few weeks. I mean, it's not like you're building this for four months. You're, you have two weeks to build this. Like you can't, think of anything, <laughs> you can't think of anything more creative than having these guys team up and go for the tag titles. Like, dude, when I, when I, when I seen that, I just rolled my eyes. I'm like, God, this is like typical Vince shit. I'm just like, like, like what did Vince like order triple H to do this shit? Like, I just don't understand. And then I was like, well, at least if they win the titles, you could do like a, a John Cena, like, uh, you know, Shawn Michaels type of thing where it's like, kind of like, it, it, I don't know, I guess it makes it a little bit more intriguing. I don't think it would have made it that more intriguing, but I don't know. Some people maybe thought it would. I just feel like it was, like, so pointless, and ultimately we just got back into the same spot that we were in before. It's like, these two guys hate each other. Like, that's it. Like, you know, like, we didn't need Finn to drop Scarlet like that in a tag title match. Like, he could have just done that in, like, like, Karrion Cross and Finn could have been, like, fighting each other. Right. All of a sudden... Cross ducks and Finn just lays out Scarlet, and then there you go. Or you know, like it, we didn't need the whole tag title match to get to that point. And then also, you know, fucking Danny Burch is a casualty in all this because he gets injured. He's, yeah, he separates his shoulder. Yeah, 
yeah, no, um, it's, you know, like I said, unnecessary, if you ask me. Yeah, I don't know what they're doing with the tag division and NXT, and then also, you know, I'm a little bit more intrigued about Cross and Balor, but, like, I'm not as intrigued compared to Cole and O'Reilly. Now, Cole, yeah. we had, a, uh, you know, in uh, an in-ring promo, uh, Regal comes out saying that Kyle O'Reilly wasn't, like, in the in the arena or something like that. Then we see, like, a video package, Kyle O'Reilly, you know, saying that he's going to hurt Adam Cole. Adam Cole then says he's going to go find Kyle O'Reilly. Next thing you know, we see, like, it looked like an episode of Cops. Like, we see, like, this massive car accident. And yeah. which is interesting because if Kyle O'Reilly, right, try to run off Adam Cole, why is Adam Cole in cuffs? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, it was just so weird. And then right. Ryu comes out of nowhere, and he's, like, walking back and forth like a principal. He kind of looked like Mr. Belding from Say by the Bell. <laughs> like, trying to, like, like separate, like, Z like, Zach and Slater from fighting each other. It was just so weird. And then... You know, Adam Cole is like, you try to run me off the road or whatever. And he's like cursing and saying like, uh, you know, whatever. And then Kyle Ryan's like sticking his head out the window while he's arrested in the cop car saying, yelling back at Cole. And then, uh, you know, fast forward throughout the night, you get this uh, backstage interview type thing where William Regal is like, uh, you know, I hope the cops drop the charges, which like, OK, I get like the charges against Kyle if Kyle was the one trying to run off. Adam Cole, but why is Adam Cole in cuffs and what is he getting charged with if he's the one that got hit? So yeah. um, that was just kind of weird, but he said he, he knows the solution. He's going to make the announcement next week, which leads me to believe that we're going to get a loser leaves NXT match. Oh, man, that's interesting. Uh, yeah, I, I didn't think about that, but that, that would make a lot of sense. I, I figured it's going to be some sort of like really like big gimmick match uh because you know obviously Re regal teased it but that would be interesting um yeah yeah I, I'm, I'm actually really intrigued now that that would that would definitely be something as far as that whole uh segment one i thought it was hilarious you know like conveniently it just sort of it just so happens outside of the performance center right regal just shows up there like alex marvez has been showing up at, at kenny omega at, at the golf course and in class and all, like just so conveniently just shows up there. Um, yeah, you know, I, I think this is a little weird too, because like I would have had roles reversed. I would have had Adam Cole refuse to come to the performance center or the, the, the CWC, whatever you want to call it and have Kyle O'Reilly be the one to constantly be in the ring, calling out Adam Cole and then have Adam Cole drive right. Kyle O'Reilly off of the side of the road. That just seems like a heel thing to do. Instead, you're having the baby face do it to the heel. So it's kind of like I would have done roles reverse. But, yeah, like you said, like, why is Cole in handcuffs? And, like, like you kind of almost feel bad for Cole because, like, he's the one saying, this dude's a maniac. This dude's a maniac. Like, you feel bad. Like, yeah, like, why is Kyle O'Reilly trying to kill Adam Cole? Like, it's And then also Kyle sticking his head out the window of a cop car while he's getting arrested. Like, that Dude. would never happen. If I were to do something like that, I'd probably get a bullet in my fucking yeah. Yo, absolutely. This is this was hilarious. Uh, so I'm, I'm not gonna nitpick it, man. I, I just it was hilarious. But um, yeah, loser leaves NXT would definitely be something. I mean, everybody thinks it's gonna be a number one contendership to Finn Balor, but I don't really think that makes much sense because we've already you know seen Kyle O'Reilly go after Finn, and we've already seen Cole go after Finn, both failing. And so unless Karrion right. Cross is winning the NXT title, and you want to give something different there. But Lucha Leaves NXT would definitely make a lot of sense. And I think it would be the perfect timing for it, too, because 
well, let's be honest, this is the last thing Adam Cole really has to do in NXT. I think, you know, it's it's go up to the main roster, and I know a lot of people are like, oh, God, why would you want that? But, like, I just want something different for this guy, and I feel like he has potential to be a huge star on the main roster if used correctly. Send him up, and then if he's not utilized, if he ends up being like an Andrade or an Aleister Black, well, that's his way out to go to AEW with his boys. So right. enough is enough with NXT. I feel like it's time for him to go off. Man, if, if I was, if I was, if I had the pen, I would book Adam Cole like when Carlito first debuted on SmackDown. First night challenges for the IC or United States Championship, win it on the first night he's on Raw yeah. or SmackDown. He should definitely be booked in a role similar to Kevin Owens because I will always go back to Kevin Owens as as one of those guys that was booked perfectly upon his debut, going you know um, dropping John Cena, first pay per view goes over John Cena, instant star instantly made into a big deal and you know some people may disagree but i think kevin owens's run on the main roster has been really really good like i i I really can't complain much he's had a lot more success than i thought a guy like him would have because you know again i'm a huge kevin owens guy he's he's my favorite in in the wwe by far just Mm -hmm. genuine human being down to earth love the dude but like you look at him it's not like the type of guy that vince wants you know he's out of shape he's in that but then you see what he does and then you know you're like wow but um, he's had a lot more success than I ever thought he would be. So I would kind of compare him to that or like a Seth Rollins type of guy. Like Adam Cole needs to be in that type of category on the main roster or else major fail. Yeah, I agree. All right. Uh, one more thing on NXT and then we'll talk about AEW because there was a lot of good stuff that happened in AEW this week. So uh, Champa, he's uh, obviously. Oh, let me throw this in there before we talk about this uh, Champa stuff. So NXT had a, a COVID outbreak. So a yeah, lot of things were changed. One. A lot of things were changed. Yeah, another one. A lot <laughs> of things were changed. And originally, we were going to get a Champa and Thatcher versus Imperium. Now, for those that don't know, Thatcher was actually part of Ring Campa, which was yeah. the original name of Imperium back in like Evolve and the Indies and the UK and stuff. Thatcher was part of that stable. So they kind of been teasing the fact that Imperium is like going after Thatcher and kind of bringing them back to the home team or whatever. Mm-hmm. I don't know what's up with Champa's hair, but he needs to shave his fucking head. He looks <laughs> yeah. so fucking old looks with whatever is going on there. I love Champa, but he needs to shave his fucking head. Don't yeah. know what's going on there. Yeah. So Champa starts battling with Imperium or whatever. He gets the better of Imperium, and then all of a sudden, Walter comes back. Walter fucking makes his return. Imperium and Walter beat the shit out of fucking Champa, and then they all pose. They do the, the Imperium pose. I'm all for a Walter Champa for the UK Championship at NXT TakeOver. I'm all for that match. Oh, absolutely. That would be awesome. Walter immediately coming back with his gunshot chops, what I like yes. to call them, because they are just so lethal and they sound like gunshots. Yeah, man, this is awesome. I, I didn't expect Walter to, to come in mm-hmm. uh, back to the States for this because, like, you know, this TakeOver is not happening in a full arena, right? Like, it's happening at the – performance center in front of you know the same group of people that no, are there every no, single no. week like izzy oh. mania and her family um huh. so like to bring walter in for a, a high profile match like this in front of like nobody i just didn't think they would do it but right um, i'm really really hyped for it like that that should be awesome and i i, I like the storyline of how they're trying to recruit uh thatcher back me to too. the group but it's 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 interesting yeah, me too. I'm into it. And I'm excited for this potential match, man. I really hope that this match does happen at TakeOver and we get like, uh, I hope it's for the U- UK Championship. I-, I don't expect Walter to drop it, but I just yeah. like the fact that, that Walter be- will be defending the title against Champa. And I just like how it gives Champa something to do because I love this guy, man. He's one of my favorites, uh, specifically in NXT. 
And ever since he came back, he's kind of just, there's no spot for him. There's nothing for him to really do. He says he's never going to the main roster. So like, what else is he possibly going to do if he's not going for the championship? So at least this gives him something to do. And, and, you know, I'm happy about that. Right. Me too. All right, dude, let's talk about AEW, man. We let, we kind of left the best for last because a lot of good stuff happened in AEW. Let's talk about this Cody Rhodes and Pentagon match. I thought this match was good, but I did not like the ending whatsoever. It just yeah. goes back to like, I hate to compare Cody to this guy because, uh, and nothing against this guy that I'm going to mention, but it's just like, we know that Cody's a VP, right? right? But there's a lot of wins that Cody has gotten throughout his AEW run that were very unnecessary. It kind of yeah. reminds me of Jeff Jarrett in the early TNA days. Yeah. Like, you're running the ship, you're kind of booking <clears throat> yourself to go over, and in this case with Pentagon, Pentagon really needed this win. And I, I just, it makes no, especially like, you know, Penta snaps Cody's arm, and then somehow Cody manages like a roll-up. Like, it just made no sense. Like, Cody did not need this win. Besides that, I really enjoyed this match. Just didn't like the finish at all. Yeah, dude, like, I don't want to come in, uh, on here and just make it seem like I'm anti-Cody and, uh, you know, this and that. Because how could I be? Like, I love the dude. Like, he's awesome. Met him a few times. Great dude. Great uh, guy. Great guy. Yeah, dude, so genuine. Like, a, a, a real pleasure and a joy to meet. Like, a, every interaction has been great. Yeah. He's the reason for this, right? Like, all in, AEW, him and the Bucks. Um, yeah. Like, I love Cody Rhodes. But he's, he as an on-screen character, he's pissing me off. <laughs> like I, I just he's he, he's it's becoming it, it like to the point where he's on i'm just like go away like go away and i hate how i'm like that because right. i love no, cody I rhodes it. but it's, it. it's just because he's he's like acting like the super john cena or the roman reigns and this is why people didn't like those two guys for a long period of time it's because they would always go over in big matches uh they would get pummeled throughout the whole entire thing and then just just pull win out of their ass like out of nowhere when they didn't really need it you know where they could have put somebody else over and you know i don't think cody's that type of guy like he's not that type of guy who doesn't want to put over talent like he will absolutely put over talent but then why aren't we seeing a lot more of it you know i always go back to the sean spears match at all out 2019 sean spears should have went over cody there and just now sean spears is maybe coming back up to, to being relevant again but that was a downward spiral spiral for him he did not need to to lose that match to Cody similar situation here. I mean, there's plenty of matches um, that I'm not going to mention that Cody should have lost that he ended up winning. Right. But it's, it's just like, yeah, it's like, it's like, why, you know, like this guy is probably going to go away for a little bit when the, the baby's born. Right. So like, why wouldn't you start putting over guys now right. and just right. kind of like make it seem like, you're you need to rethink things you need to take a break and then come back and then maybe like you know go on a win streak or something like it's just like oh dude i saw it that just I was like, no oh sense. god dude yeah it makes no sense. like if the match was good but finish like not so let, let's you mentioned sean spears so let's talk about this new horseman evolution fortune-esque stable that we're getting um you we, you were very positive about it last week. I was very positive about it last week. Leo was also positive. I think for the most part that have been that our AEW fans have been positive. Uh, what we got when they beat the shit out of Inner Circle, we get this in-ring promo, and the rumors were true. Uh, both Tully Blanchard and MJF got on the mic, and Tully Blanchard announced that the group 
We're the pinnacle. That's the name of the stable. Um, a lot of people are shitting on the name. Uh, I love it. Does, it. does it roll off the tongue like an evolution or like a fortune or like an inner circle or, or like that? No, it doesn't roll off the tongue. I don't necessarily hate the name. Um, it's going to be one of those names that is going to, it's, it's, uh, I'm going to have to get used to it. I don't think it's the worst name ever. Um, I remember, I don't know if I ever told you this, but I remember when, um, Adam Cole, O'Reilly and Bobby Fish made their debuts or whatever before, uh, they were called the undisputed era. I remember like as a joke, a tongue in cheek, I was, call I was calling them the honor, right? You know, I felt yeah, like an honor, the ring of honor. honor. And yeah. then when they announced like, oh, we're the undisputed era. I remember not being necessarily a fan of that name until mm -hmm. then we got used to it. And now I think undisputed era is like one of the, the greatest, like one of the greatest stables that WWE has ever done. And I think the name is dope too. I think when it comes to the pinnacle, I think, as time progresses, we'll get used to the name. Is it the best name? No, but I don't necessarily hate it. But then you have all of these fucking people just fucking breaking this apart and saying like, oh, this is a fake-ass evolution. Oh, this is a fake-ass horseman. Oh, uh, Tully's old. Oh, this is Fortune 5. Like, it's just so many negative shit. And it's just, they only did an in-ring segment. Right. promo and now all of a sudden this is like the worst stable ever i just don't get it man and the people that are saying like oh well this is a, a copy of evolution you know evolution was a wink and a nod to the horsemen they weren't original either right, um so right. everything is like a wink and a nod to something all right sometimes you might get a stable that is completely different and unique but like when we saw these uh these individuals come together when they attacked the inner circle instantly we all knew that this was going to be a horseman-esque type group so right. it's okay that it has like essence of like an evolution vibe or like a fortune vibe from TNA or clearly a four horseman vibe. I had people when um when they finally announced the name the Pinnacle, I did a post on uh, Alush Outsiders on Instagram. I did a post where I took evolution like removed it from the lyrics of the actual evolution thought, and I was like the P Pinnacle is a mystery, right? You know, <laughs> and people all of a sudden would like. We're saying something like, oh, this is a fake-ass evolution. Oh, you just changed the lyrics to evolution. This is evolution thing. No shit, fucking Sherlock. That was the point on, of it. I did it on purpose. Right. It's just only because of one in-ring segment. People are just crapping on this. Like, it's the worst thing ever. And it's like, what's wrong with you guys? And it's also because it's AEW. And like anything they do, like, God forbid, you know, they, they, they can't copy this. Or they can't do this. Or they're just trying to rip this off, you know? Right. Uh-huh. I love the name. I really do. I think that I think it's it's perfect. I think um, the logo with the mountains, you know, like I love they're reaching, that. I they're love reaching that. the pinnacle. You know, I just I feel like it just makes sense. It, it, it's you know, it's it's awesome. I remember. I I agree. I wasn't too high on Undisputed Era at first, and I really wasn't high on Inner Circle at first either. I thought that was very dumb, and now I'm just like, well, it's just like the Inner Circle is the Inner Circle. Like I don't have a problem with it. I think this. I love this name uh, right off the bat. I think it's great. Um, how about that promo by MJF, man? This dude is unreal. That that might – so if I'm going to have to nitpick one thing about this group, and I don't necessarily want this to happen, but, like, I just feel like they don't need Tully Blanchard because they have MJF. You know, like, if MJF's not in the group, Tully could be the talker. But now MJF is the main talker. You don't really need Tully there. But, like, I, I understand why he is, and I don't want him to go away. Right. But, like, 
you don't need two guys who are that good at talking. You know, because MJF, he literally went on for like five, six, seven minutes. Didn't miss a freaking beat. No, he didn't. Didn't stutter. Knew what he was going to say. Delivered it perfectly. Facial expressions. Looking into the camera. I mean, after it was all, I, I was in to every single word. Like, I couldn't take my eyes off the screen. After he was done, I wanted to get up in my living room and just give him a round of applause. Like, like I mean, it was that damn good. Right. No, it was good. And, and the thing about MJF, too, is, like, for a, he's, he's only 24, if I'm not mistaken. The dude, he's a student yeah. of the game. So he revisits a lot of, like, old shit and, like, shit that's happened, like, 10 years ago and shit that's happened 15 years ago. So, like, for example, you remember when he started his feud with John Moxley and he did like this whole like state of like the union address or whatever. Yeah. He grabbed a promo that EC3 did a couple years ago in TNA and yeah, remixed it right to his own, right? This promo he did about the pinnacle, he remixed Triple H's promo of the, the introduction of evolution and remixed it to his own. So he's a student of the game. It's not that he's fucking copying things. No. He's making it his own. Yeah, he might grab certain things just like everybody fucking does. All right. There's nothing wrong of just grabbing elements of this and doing elements of yeah. and like there's nothing wrong with that. You're right, paying right. homage. You because it, it's that it was that good then, and now you're doing it to your you're doing it for your own. There's nothing wrong with that. It's not a fucking copy. Oh, it's a copy of evolution. Evolution was a wink and nod to the horse. What's wrong with you? Yeah, yeah, it's 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 getting really bad now. The toxic, like toxic, uh, negativity of the wrestling community. It's just like I'm tired. Of, like I don't even, I don't even want to like give them the satisfaction of even talking about how stupid it is. Right. To say, oh, they copied this. Oh, they copied this. I mean, if they did it, the exact same thing, like okay, like I guess you can't deny that. But like both companies and and everybody just copies each other and and kind of makes something their own you know i mean like io shirai and um raquel gonzalez are main eventing night one of, of takeover right well gee I, I mean where do where did they get a women's main event idea from who just did two women's main events in one week AEW did like i like you could literally say that they, every company copies somebody you know in one way or another it's just like get over it like who cares right. you know like if you didn't enjoy that MJF promo, all because you think he copied something from Evolution, or you don't like the group and the guys that are in it, and you don't think any of these guys are going to benefit big from this just because it's an Evolution, I mean, like, how stupid is that argument? Right. It's so fucking dumb. It's so listen. The pinnacle is going to be fine. I'm very intrigued on what they do going forward and see where this inner circle pinnacle feud goes. So I'm very yeah. interested in. I, I love the hype. fact, you know, just by a, a beat down to the inner circle and then the in-ring promo we got this past week, I, I fucking love this fucking stable already. Me too. I'm completely sold on it. All right. A stable that's not fine right now is, I I guess the best way is call, calling it is Bullet Club Elite, Bullet Club US. I don't know what you want to call them, yeah. but we finally got the Young Bucks have be like, fuck you guys. We want nothing to do with you. So we had this match between uh, the Good Brothers against Moxley and Eddie Kingston. There were some shenanigans in the beginning where they were beating up Kingston. Then we get the match. And then, um, whatchamacallit, then Kenny Omega gets involved. And 
uh, they were trying to, I think they took off, uh, took out uh, Kenny's, uh, not Kenny, uh, Eddie's knee or mm-hmm. leg with a chair. And then they were going to try to break John Moxley's neck. And then the Young Bucks come out. And before this, they were already teasing tension between, or uh, the, the continued tension between Omega and the Bucks. Mm-hmm. And then finally, you know, the Good Brothers, you know, trying to like ignore the tension, just be like, hey, too sweet, too sweet. And <laughs> The Young Bucks were not having it. You know, they were talking smack about Don Callis, saying Don Callis is the reason why you're being like this, whatever. And then they don't too sweet with them. Uh, the Young Bucks pretty, said, pretty much said, fuck you guys. And then Kenny Omega grabs this. He was wearing the too sweet shirt where they're all throwing the too sweet. He throws it at Matt. And then Matt and Kenny have a face off. Now, I know that the Young Bucks are tag champs right now. and They're going to be defending those titles against um, Phoenix and Pac, which... I don't understand why it's not the Lucha Brothers, but whatever. That's an argument for another day. Um, and I think ultimately we're gonna get the Young Bucks and Good Brothers feud. I get all that. Yeah. But man, I don't know about you, bro, but seeing the face off between Kenny and Matt, I kind of want to see that match, bro. I really do because I think, and I love the Young Bucks. I love the Young Bucks so much. They're like my one of my favorite tag teams. But yeah. Matt is the more of the, I guess, like the talker. Matt's the more of like. I don't want to say the face of the team because I, I believe that both of them play their roles. But I guess, like, I don't want to call Matt the Shawn Michaels of the two. I don't want to say that. But, like, Matt is just, like, I guess is the voice of the two. I don't know if that makes oh, any yeah. sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, what I'm trying to say. Yeah. So, like, uh, I don't know, man. Something seeing that, that camera shot of Matt and Kenny just facing off. I'm very intrigued by that, man. Um, kind of give, give me your thoughts on like this whole segment and this Bullet Club US elite split and where the where, where do you think the story is going? Well, we just saw uh, Matt face off against Phoenix, right, in singles action, and and last year we saw Nick Jackson and Phoenix in singles action. So I don't think it's it's definitely it's out of the cards for the Young Bucks to have you know more singles matches if need be if it makes sense. Uh, like this, oh man, <laughs> Matt versus Kenny, and even Nick versus Kenny. Yeah, it's just a match that like nobody ever thought that they wanted to see, and or would even have a possibility of seeing. But like, I would definitely not be opposed to it because you're right. Matt Jackson is kind of like the man who steers the ship for the for the young bucks. He's he's the guy that is always on the microphone cutting the promos for the young bucks out of the two. He's the better talker. He just is. But Nick is the better high flyer. So Nick right. does more of the high flying moves. I mean, it's just, they've said it a lot of times before Matt doesn't do all, all the high flying moves. He leaves that to Nick, you know? Um, but it works. Both of those guys work perfectly together. Um, so yeah, that is interesting that they had that face to face and um, this whole, you know, drama storyline between the good brothers and Kenny and the bucks. It's just great. I mean, I I really, I'm enjoying it. And, um, you know, I I just, I don't want to see the, I'm glad the young bucks when the good brothers first arrived, I'm glad they threw up the two sweet to give us that, that feel good moment. Right. I'm glad we got that, but I'm kind of glad now that they're not like a unit. I, I like how the young bucks are kind of splitting off from them. And then, you know, we could possibly have a good brothers, young bucks match for the tag titles or something like that. Um, and honestly, like I want to see Mox and the young bucks versus Kenny and the good brothers in a six man match, because I think that would be unbelievable. And I, yeah. I'm not, we might get it because, you know, we saw what happened. Mox was left in the ring and he, him and the young bucks, they were kind of like acknowledging each other. 
Um, so Mox with the Young Bucks would be awesome to see. Yeah, man, I don't know where it's going. I don't know what the end game, the ultimate goal is here. Um, unless it's like the Good Brothers end up dethroning the Young Bucks and Kenny's got the world title and the Good Brothers have um, the AEW tag titles, which would be pretty sick. I don't know where it's going, but it's it's they've got me hooked. And little like, by little, I, week after week, they give you a little bit more to, to, to chew on. Like imagine, and, and I don't know how they would do this, right? Like, because... AEW would have to tell like some they would have to plant seeds of this potential six man between Bucks and Moxley potentially Bucks and Moxley versus the Good Brothers and and Kenny right but like imagine like somehow like the Bucks make the save for Moxley or Moxley makes the save for the Bucks like after like uh, Omega and the Good Brothers are like beating them down or whatever and one of them makes the save for the other whatever which ultimately leads the, um, them to having a six man right and you just see like the Bucks and Moxley in the ring and just and like let's say like the Good Brothers and Omega are just staring down them like all pissed off or whatever. And what if like the the Young Bucks just throw up a two sweet and they just want Moxley to throw it up with them, whatever. And then like the fans want it and Moxley finally does it just to like piss off. Like imagine I can see Omega just throwing his shit going He's, nuts or whatever. Yeah. Don Cal's like, no, that's not real, whatever. And the Good Brothers are just losing their minds. Like that, that's a moment. Like that's a moment. Oh. Like the crowd in Daly's place will lose their minds, and then we get this amazing six man. Like I think there's a lot of ways it could go with this if that's a potential plan. The only thing I don't get is like this Omega and and Moxley story is like the whole part, the whole plan behind doing the barbed wire death match was to put Mox down for good, right? And to write him potentially off the of TV to to you know. Let him just take a break for a little bit because I don't think they need him there right now. And he's done everything that you could possibly ask the guy for over a year now. And I think he just needs to go away to, like, kind of recharge the batteries a little bit then come back and just get inserted into a different storyline. But, like, the fact that he's still, like, in the mix with Omega and the Good Brothers is kind of weird, you know? I just – I don't really, like – I know, like, Eddie Kingston is probably next in line for for Omega. So, you know, that that makes sense. But then, you know, next week you have, like, Matt Seidel facing Omega – if he wins, he gets a title shot. So, like, you know, there's a lot they, of and challenges. Didn't they, didn't they set up that match at Elevation? Like, they set up at Dark Elevation, the whole Matt Seidel Omega match? Yeah, yeah. They did, like, some I, I didn't watch Elevation, so I, I really don't know. I don't know how big <laughs> I don't know how big Sean Tony did on commentary or whatever. I, I will say this, and this is, like, a quick side note. Now, I'm I'm still like not sold. I just don't care about the big show being in AEW. It's not. I don't really don't care, right? I will say though, listening to the Talk Is Jericho episode with Big Show on it, it definitely got me like. It definitely made me look at Big Show a little bit differently in the sense yeah. where, like, when we saw him in WWE, we always. You know, we're we're fans at the end of the day, so we always be like, "Oh, why is this yeah. guy on my TV You're right growing, now?" Growing and huffing, puffing. right? Yeah. But like a lot of it, most I'll say everything had really nothing to do with him. It was just the way he was booked. He, right, right. He wanted to be booked like a Brock Lesnar s like an attraction, which he should have been booked. Going back to when he first debuted, he should have been booked like Brock Lesnar. We didn't have to see this guy every week. We should have just right. seen him. He should have be tre- been treated like an attraction. So it did make me look at Big Show a little bit differently and not saying that I never respected the guy or whatever, but like, I guess I gained a new level of respect for him, if that makes any sense. I didn't listen to the Talk is Jericho yet. Uh, it's on my list. I listened to the Renee Young podcast, though, and I got that same exact vibe. I don't hate him being in AEW as much as I did beforehand. This dude, it, it makes sense for them to bring him in. He's a, he's 
like going to be a huge asset for this company. And I'm not talking about in, in the ring. I'm talking about outside of the ring, you know, right. helping younger talent. Uh, I mean, even in the ring, putting over talent like Luchasaurus, right. Wardlow, those guys that he mentioned, those top guys that he could potentially help and put over in the process. Yeah, dude, honestly, like I don't have the same reaction as I as I did upon his re- arrival because I just feel like this dude obviously has so much passion and he has something more to give. And he wasn't able to give that in WWE except for on screen. So you mm-hmm. really appreciate him because you just didn't want to see him over like some of these other guys. But yeah, I totally agree. He's he's a good asset to have. And uh, from what I've seen, a lot of people say that the chemistry between him and Shivani was good. I tuned in for a little bit just to see like in the beginning of the show, just to hear how they were, but like didn't really last long because I just didn't want to sit there and watch dark. But um, <laughs> yeah, I heard, like, it, it's yeah. already enough wrestling during the week, oh, bro. I can't, I can't, it. bro. I can't. But, I can't. but the little things that he was like describing in matches and, and things like that, like little things he brings to the table, it's sort of like what Rocky Romero brings in New Japan, right? Because he's, he's, right. he's a wrestler, so he knows these type of things. Right. And then too, for football fans out there listening, like Tony Romo, former Dallas Cowboys uh, quarterback, he calls the game and he tells you things like that you just wouldn't know because like you don't play football, but like he knows because he's played for so long he's and got, you know, now he provides a little insider information. That's interesting. So big show does the same exact thing. So they, they have he's, insight. He's a good, asset to have. Good, good hand to have in, in the company insight. That's yeah. what that is. They have insight. They have access to a lot of we the things that nowhere. we don't have. <laughs> I'm here. I'm back. I'm back. Go ahead. Leo, Leo, the ghost of Leo has returned. I'm like, wait, is that Leo? I'm not even putting myself on camera. Just letting you know. Well, the ghost of Leo has returned. All right, dude. Let's let's um let's talk about. I think everybody that's been listening to this episode has been waiting for us to give our thoughts on this because this is, you know, while the New Japan stuff was great, I thought the matches this weekend were amazing. We had a really amazing match in AEW this weekend, and it was a women's main event. It was Thunder Rosa, Britt Baker, a lights-out match. My God, did these women bust their fucking ass. And once again, like we've talked about every single week, these two, and I know Thunder Rosa is contracted still by the NWA, these two need to be the face of the women's division in AEW. My God, this match was great. I think for the most part... Everybody spoke highly of this match. Everybody enjoyed it. I think the little negative that I saw, which is very little, was under the minority. And they had really ridiculous takes, but that's not here or there. Um, But I thought this match was just amazing. And, you know, coming out of this match, yes, Thunder Rosa did go over. But I think Britt Baker became a bigger star because of this match. And I think you can make the argument that she's the biggest star in AEW right now. Yeah, dude, this is exactly the type of match that the women's division needed. This is, they moved barriers. They moved this division forward with this match. They proved that these two belong at the forefront of the division, without a doubt. Like, like they completely 100% proved it. We've been saying it for a while, and a, a majority of people have been saying it. Like, push these two instead right. of over-pushing some of the Joshi women. Like, like these two are the ones that people are going to care about, you yes. know? And they proved it. Uh, they had an unbelievably killer match. I love the story that they told. I, you know, I knew it lights out, so it was going to be some sort of, like, hardcore um, type of match, but I didn't expect thumbtacks. You know, I didn't Blood. expect them to blade. The crimson mask, the, 
the thumbtack spot and then later on to break up, I think, a submission. Was it a submission where where Brick got rolled in the thumbtack? Yeah, again? in the thumbtack. Oh yeah. my god. And it's just you know what it is too? And when we look at someone like maybe not necessarily too much Thunder Rosa, right? But Britt Baker, right? When we look at Britt Baker, she, one, she's a gorgeous girl, too. And two, you wouldn't think a wrestler like a Britt Baker would get down and dirty like that. Yeah, like right. She did. And man, like that thumbtack spot, Jesus Christ. Like, dude, ugh. that power bomb was, was so good. Man. Like, right in that shit. Like, Oh my god, bro! The whole thing was just like I said. I did not expect both of them to blade. Like, and and some people may say, "Oh, that wasn't need- needed," but like, yeah, it kind of was. Like, it it added to the match. Like, right, like, like the curb stomp. Like, technically, you you stomp somebody's head into those steel steps. Like, odds are you're gonna bleed. Okay, same thing with 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 Britt going into the ladder. Like, I thought the whole thing was, just, and they could get away with that too because it was it was edited. It was taped. So there was no right. live crowd there, so they can get away with like camera not being on them and for them to to cut themselves. I thought the whole thing, like I said, was just tremendous. Probably one of the best TV matches I've seen in quite some time, and honestly, the best women's match I've seen in quite some time too. Uh, we had, you know, the last really well. I don't really want to say that because like Sasha Banks and and Bailey had a good match recently in the in the Hell in a Cell. That um, that match was great. That made yeah. um that made our top ten of twenty twenty. That match. That yeah, match I mean, was yeah. really good. It's definitely, definitely um, deserves it. But I tell had... you what, Thunder Rosa and and Britt Baker. So I, I, I'm sure that you have a list too. Oh, right? I added it to my list already. Yeah, I, I added that to my list, and I'm oh, sure yeah. that one. I'm sure at the end of the year we're gonna have a lot of the same matches. And yeah, two, no, I'm this year, we this year is gonna be a little bit different because now that you're part of the show, I'm sure we're gonna combine our list to figure out ranking them from ten to one. Yeah, yeah. And, and I'll just cheat off you guys. So you just let me know what you guys thought. What <laughs> the ghost of Leo. <laughs> the ghost of Leo coming in out of Ooh. nowhere. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, no, I, uh, what I was saying was like outside of like the less really good one besides Sasha and, and Bailey, like women's match in, in wrestling that I could think of would be like um, Becky Lynch and Charlotte at the Evolution pay-per-view. I thought that oh, was that, really good. Yeah. I was but there. I literally said to myself, like, this is, has to be one of the best women's matches I've seen since, like, Sasha and Bailey at Brooklyn Takeover. Like, that's how much praise, like, I haven't seen a, a women's match get this much praise since that match. And, um, you know, like, it's like, like you said, too, and Meltzer even said this, too, and he ruffled some feathers with Fuck this Meltzer. one. And, and as soon as he said it, I knew right away, I'm like, oh, God, this is people are going to bitch him on. Well, this. I think Meltzer, I think Meltzer at times, right? And I, I've been, and I'm not sure if you know this, Ryan. I've been critical on Meltzer, not in the sense of him reporting stuff, because he's one of the most reliable. Yeah, yeah. Just like everybody, just like there's other ones, right? I think my only criticism on Meltzer, and I'm not saying, because I don't know Meltzer. I'm sure he's a nice guy. I'm not saying, like, he's a jerk-off or anything. The problem Meltzer sometimes is, at times he comes off of a little bias when it comes to certain things, right? And I think that's the criticism Meltzer gets, unlike like a Mike Johnson from PW Insider or like a Raj Geary from yeah. Wrestling Inc. or whatever. And then there's a countless kind of other reporters. I'm not gonna mention Ringside News or like or like other schmuck or Brian no, Shepard. Those don't, are don't terrible. give him the satisfaction. No, exactly. Those are fucking terrible. And I think that's the reason sometimes when Meltzer has his like crazy take. I feel like at times, I feel like this guy's just got to be trolling people just to get a reaction from people. Well, it doesn't help that he tells people flat out, like, blatantly that he texts and calls Tony Khan on that the regular. So, like, that, that doesn't that, help. That does not help <laughs> at but, all. But what he said was that he said Britt Baker came off 
lo- looking like a better star and is, and is a bigger star than any other woman in wrestling right now, even over Sasha Banks. But and he's not I wrong, was just though. like, yo, hold the phone real quick. Like, I first of all, I hate, I hate, I hate comparing things, really, like right. in companies like this, because like I just feel like one thing has nothing to do with the other and shouldn't be compared. Right. But like Britt Baker absolutely came off looking like a freaking gigantic star, even in defeat in this. And I think this is exactly what she needed. And she is without a doubt. And it's funny to say, because like you've got Sheeta being the champion, you got Nyla Rose constantly going over. Nobody gives a shit. Nobody matches. gives a shit about Sheeta, fortunately. Right. No, she's like an afterthought. Britt Baker is the biggest star in the women's division. And she, it, when she says face of the division, she ain't I lying. Baker. Where's the and lies? You know, and AW has to be very careful now with Britt Baker. Cause coming off this match, if this, if this, if the, if Daly's place was packed with fans, they're gonna be cheering Brick. Yeah, Brick. No right. matter, no matter how much of a douche that she acts on camera, they're gonna be cheering for her. So they need to be very careful on what they do with Brit, whether it's a different direction they go with Brit, or maybe keep her off TV for a couple of weeks to figure out what's the next move for Britt Baker. Because it's like, how do you, how do you boo her now? Which is crazy because, like, everybody was so mad that she lost in the tournament to Nyla Rose. But that's all forgotten about now because of the way she looked in this match. So, right. that just goes to show, man. Like, if they just book things the right way and they have a plan, it could all work out in the end. But, um, yeah, Sheeta was watching backstage this match. So, it kind of tells me that, like, one of these women is next in line. And you would think Thunder Rosa would be because she's the one that just won. But, um, you know, you can make a, a case for Britt Baker, too, because technically this match didn't count in the standings because right. it's unsanctioned. So man, I'm just I'm looking forward to see what happens next, man. The women's division has some buzz behind it, and uh, it's it's really it's just a great thing to see. It's something we've been waiting for for a long time with AEW. Let me yeah, throw dude, let can't... me throw this at you guys. I know the 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 ghost of Leo. Uh, let me throw this out at you guys. Um, do you guys think that it that ultimately it was a good time to wait because when the when the women's division first started, everybody was like, "Oh, Britt Baker's gonna get pushed." But I don't think her as a character was ready at that point. I think that whole time that she spent in that wheelchair, that she got to talk and 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 try things out and be the heel. I think that's what brings it now full circle with the packaging, if you will. Now she's ready to be the face. Do you think that that's also the the case, Mario? I mean, I think I, she could I have been. I I think her being hurt. I think her being hurt definitely benefited her, which is is crazy to say sometimes. Yeah. Like an injury could benefit someone, but that's that's a that's a dope thing about AEW, right? AEW, while you you're injured, sometimes they figure out ways how they could, you know, put you in an angle or put you like on camera or give you like a segment or whatever. So like her being in a wheelchair furthered, you know, cemented the whole role model uh, gimmick, especially, you know, now instead of the role model, it was like the role R-O-L-L. So it definitely helped out, and they also built to All Out. I think they could have pulled the trigger a while ago, though, on making her AEW Women's Champion. Mm-hmm. But just based on what we're seeing now, it's it just, I think the bigger question is, how come a person like a Thunder Rosa or a Britt Baker haven't been, how come you haven't given them the strap? I think that's the bigger yeah. question because, unfortunately, as much as I like Sheeta's in-ring work, she's not moving the needle. Yeah, but do you think that they that, that Britt or Thunder Rosa need the strap to be bigger stars? Don't you I, think you could listen? If if I if I was Tony Khan, I would put the title on Britt and have her hold the title for a year. 
Okay. Yeah, I mean, they not they don't necessarily need the titles, but um, at this point, they probably do. But I mm-hmm. agree with Leo on that. I don't think Britt was ready to to be the the top star or to take uh, the throne and and be the champion and be the leader or the face of the division because she had to figure herself out. They had to really develop her. She's never been on TV. She was an independent wrestler. She never was signed to a major promotion before. Uh, they they couldn't you know everybody just expected that she was the first female signee and she was just going to win the title right off the bat and that's just right. not that's just not the way right way to do it and when she was a heel God you remember her first heel promo that's going to be funny I mean it's funny now to look back on that was with, the, with the coffee and chastising uh Tony the one Tony the one on the cruise where she oh, was the so one on the bad cruise. oh yeah. my God that was so bad so bad and cringe bro and now you look at her and she's just outstanding. Sometimes you just need to develop somebody before you just throw them right in the mix as a top star. You can't rush or push something that, that doesn't need to be pushed like that. You know, there's a new brand new company. They obviously know what they have in Brit. And now this is her coming out party and the sky's the limit from here. So I agree with everything Leo just said. She was not ready. Now she is. Now let her take the throne and let her run with this. And, um, you know, she's done one hell of a job. I can't say enough good things about it. Yeah, this match was incredible. I'm sure we're going to talk about this at the end of 2021. Oh, yeah. And who knows? It might even crack, crack our top 10, maybe top 5. I will say this because um, shout-out to Brian, the Royal Ramble. He did put out a post saying, like, was the Thunder Rosa and Britt Baker match uh, top 5 all-women's matches of all time? I could easily see him being top 10 and potentially a top 5. That's how good oh, this yeah. match was. Yeah, yeah, I said top 10 easily. I don't know if I'd yeah. push it to top 5, but top 10 without a doubt. Top 10 on. for sure. For sure yeah. top 10. <laughs> yeah. Dude, um, I don't want to talk about Fastlane because it's only really one match. That yeah, I was going like, to say, yeah, I mean, if yeah. you want to give predictions, we can run through it very quick, but I wouldn't even waste nah, too much time you know, on it. We're not even going to do it because there's only one match Roll that I think we it. all have really – our attention span on, which is the main event, Roman Reigns and Daniel Bryan. I still think that we're going to get a Fugazi finish here, and it's going to lead to a three-way at Mania. That's my prediction. I'm leaving it as that. Um, but, yeah, I'm sure we'll do a react show later on tonight, and, yeah. you know, we'll, we'll, we'll give you guys um, our thoughts on the whole show. But there, there really, it, there's nothing really much to say about the speed bump. There really isn't. No, no, I completely agree. And I, I feel like there's got to be some – type of Fugazi finish too because you have Roman go over Daniel Bryan clean where does that leave Daniel Bryan at Wrestlemania at this point and you can't leave him off the card at that at this point so I feel like some shenanigans some shiz is going to go down um it's got to wait and see how they do it yeah that's it I mean <laughs> I hate it isn't that we were so excited to talk about Thunder Rose and Britt Baker and then Fastlane is just like <laughs> yeah, no, let's end it on Brit and, and Thunder yeah. Rosa. They, so, they deserve they deserve to, you know. I'm looking I'm looking at the recorder thing, right? Like you guys basically spent well, we're recording for two hours plus uh, all the backstage shows. But what I'm saying is we have been on the air for an hour and fifty nine minutes and you guys literally spent three minutes talking about fastlane. Awesome. Good. Good. <laughs> leave it awesome. like that. <laughs> what? And, and and that's how we're gonna leave it. Ryan, give me your plugs, man. I know you're doing an incredible job on Twitter. The Wrestling Radar is back for WrestleMania. Uh, yes. Give me a plug, bro. Yeah, man, at Lucha Outsiders on Twitter. Um, hopefully I'm not too annoying on there. I like to tweet a lot during, during shows, especially in the middle of the night, Do like it, last bro. night. And, Do it, bro. Make up for a long time. <laughs> yeah, right. If you see me, if you see the Lucha Outsiders going nuts, if you can't sleep in the middle of the night and there's a New Japan show on, odds are I'll be on there at 2 or 3 a.m. just tweeting nonstop on your timeline. Um, at Wrestle Radar on Instagram and Twitter and 
Wrestling Radar on YouTube, we just put up a brand new video of us talking about um, us getting WrestleMania tickets and stuff like that. My brother did a tremendous job with making this shit look so dramatic with the news reports and all that type of stuff of the, the virus and everything we've been through. And I'm um, going to have some content for you when we're down in Tampa. So definitely stay tuned for that. Uh, Ryan underscore Moderano, if you really care to follow my personal pages on Instagram <laughs> and Twitter as well. And Royal Ramble Wrestling on Instagram. Leo. I like the it. I like R- Ryan is is coming into a flow now. It's already he's coming off the bat. Like, hey, if you care to buy, follow me, if not, fuck y'all. Not, uh, give a shit. <laughs> <laughs> Losradio.com. Just follow us for all the shit that we're doing. And hopefully this week, by next week, we'll have uh, great news. Dale. You can follow me at RatedR687. Make sure you follow us at Lucha Outsiders everywhere, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And if you missed anything or everything on today's episode, make sure you download and subscribe to the podcast version of the show. I to SoundCloud, you want to be fancy Apple Podcasts, tune in on Mesta App, LowShow.com, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, wherever you get your podcast needs. And that is the, the Ghost of Leo. The Ghost of Leo. I like that. I like ghost that. Of Leo coming in. I like that. <laughs> Out of nowhere, like an RKO. It was so funny. I forgot what exactly we were talking about. Like, Leo just jumped in out of nowhere. Dude, all, both of our faces were like... Yeah, you, you should go back and see what the people they are watching. Uh, what I did is I put both of you guys, because it doesn't make sense for me to just put a blank screen on there. So I put both of you guys on the screen. So, But behind the scenes, you guys are looking at my camera. My camera's been gray the whole time. Right. And I just jump in. Again, you guys should go back and look at your faces. You're like, wait, wait, what? What is that? Are we getting <laughs> interference? <laughs> I think I think Ryan almost spit out his drink. <laughs> I know. I took a sip of my I, conveniently at the same time. Oh man, yeah, that was what a moment! What a moment! Uh, what a moment! What well, a one of the moment. one of the studios that we're putting together, right? They have some issues with the cabling. So depending on how you hold the mic, you actually pick up an FM station from somewhere. I don't know. Sometimes <laughs> you just hold it and want to hear that. So I don't know. So that's what it sounded like. <laughs> Yo, Ryan, with with some of the stuff that you said on today's episode, I am going to enjoy so much writing up, typing up the, the bio, the description of the show. Yeah, man, yeah. You, yeah. you drop, you drop I, some interesting gems. Listen, I, I make your life easier in any way I can. So you know what? I'll take the Twitter off your hands. I'll give you I'll give you some titles. You, anything you need, man. I'll, I'll make your life easier. It's I fucking like it. great. I like it's it. fucking great. <laughs> <laughs> Make sure they follow us, right? At Lucha Outsiders. Go, Mario. All right. For the old man, Leo, or the ghost of Leo. Yeah. Or our <laughs> double Ryan Radar. Yeah. I'm your truly Mr. Radar. Till next time, keep Radar. Peace, please.